This week's episode of the Jones Report is presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, O'ConnorAdvisorGroup.com for the best financial planning around with O'Connor Advisory Group's own Brian O'Connor. You can reach out to Bo at 785-856-0720. That's 856-0720 to schedule an appointment today. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of Joe's Sports. I'm with Joe, with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, going to be joined by Steve White of the NFL Network as we'll get Steve's thoughts on the Chiefs and the Niners, where they go from here after the Super Bowl. Also talk coaching carousel and uh, some off-season news and notes on free agency, trades, and more when uh, Steve joins us coming up in just a bit. Plus, we'll have Coach Bo's Football Fix presented by O'Connor Advisory Group with the Latest headlines across the National Football League and in college football. And we'll get uh, Bo's thoughts on this uh, 12-team playoff in college football. As we now know the format, we'll uh, react to that. And uh, also some implications for Notre Dame. We'll go over that in just a bit. We'll have our uh, Tom Fullery story of the week, Big 12 breakdown, all that more coming up on today's show. Thomas Bridges is here with me as well. Tom, uh, I got to say off the top, I, uh, I saw your uh, your Snapchat, I think it was a day or two ago, and, and you were taking the time to bitch about 80-degree weather in Texas in February. I mean, you, you are one ungrateful bastard, my friend. Like, why why are you not enjoying Absolutely, man. I'm, I'm not ready for it, man. I'm not ready for it. Like, Did you not know what you signed up for moving to San Antonio? No, I did. I did know. But I was like, oh, my God, in, in February? I'm like, can we, like, okay, can we keep it under, like, 75 until March 1st? Because I've been, I've been here in March. Like, most of my time in San Antonio has been here in March. And I have, unfortunately, been a part of 90-degree, 100-degree March. But... I'm like, okay, can we like, can we not? Unfortunately, we we have to. So, you know, like, now don't get me wrong. In Oklahoma, they are also facing like pushing eighty degree March. But the only reason I bitch is because I know that in March or in April and May, it's going to be ninety to hundred degrees. Maybe so. Um... I'm enjoying what we got going. I'm going to start, Tom. Like this is, this is the as good as it gets. Like I can walk to work and back without breaking a sweat. And I got about a 25 minute to walk, walk to work from where I'm at. So this this is like the sweet spot for me right now. So you're loving it. Oh, I love this. Absolutely. Yes. Sun's out. Guns out. Jones out. I mean, I could see that because I feel like, okay, like 65, 70, I can deal with 85, 90. I'm like, okay, well, I don't really want to deal with that. Right. The The other thing too, Tom, I will say, like, I'm glad that it's the sun staying out a little longer because I've gotten a little too white for my liking. I I, I need my tan back. He's trying to reclaim native. <laughs> I'm trying to look like what I claim, yes. There you go. 
I respect that. Yeah. So it's uh, no complaints from me uh, about what's going on here. But I, I did have to I did have to give you a hard time about you complaining about 80 degree weather. I mean, I, I thought that's what you I mean, don't get me wrong. Like, it's like I'm like, OK, like it's February 18th. And I'm like, OK, it's 85 degrees. I'm like, what is it going to be in May 15th? See, that's the key, though. Don't even think about that. Live in the moment. Enjoy the present, Tom. I mean, I'm going to have to because I know May 15th comes around. It's going to be 105. I remember a couple years ago, Tom, when I went to San Antonio for the Final Four. And the week prior, I was in Omaha uh, for the regional, for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight. And there was snow on the ground, and it was like 30 and 40 degrees. And the next week, I go to San Antonio, first weekend in April, and I'm wearing a suit jacket, and it's 90 degrees outside. That that was two different. I universes. believe it. I believe it. Two different universes within a span of just a few days. I wholeheartedly believe it. Yeah, and, and I have chose the Texas universe, and and I will not be going back. I mean, you you chose the universe that was like okay, it's still decently cold, but you still get tornadoes. We don't get tornadoes here. Yeah, I I do love me a good tornado. Here, no, don't, don't get me wrong. I'm I'm ready. Shout out Travis Meyer. I am ready for storm season. I I feel like living down here. I miss the fall. Yeah, and I feel like I I might even miss storm season. <laughs> yeah, you just had to turn on uh, Travis Meyer just to kind of live vicariously. <laughs> like low key, I might do it. Wouldn't be a bad idea. Wouldn't be a bad idea. Tom, uh, let's start out with the NBA today. Um, we'll uh, we'll get into some college hoops and some Big 12 stuff here in a moment. But I want to start on the NBA side of things. And, you know, I mentioned about people bitching uh, besides you. There's other people out there complaining about the All-Star game and all this and and, and what we saw there. And, and I got to say, Tom, like, I don't care. Like, it's a made-for-TV event that lasted one night. Like, you know, get over it. Like, folks, it's an all-star game. It, it's going to be ass. It's going to be trash. Like, I, I'm not – I don't care enough to, to to make a big deal about it. And, and you know, all-star Saturday night isn't what it once was. The all-star game isn't what it once was. Newsflash, folks, those days aren't coming back. Those days are over. And and that's just is what it is. Maybe we could do a new format, a USA versus the world, or maybe we could do like a one-on-one -on -one tournament or something like that. But I mean, it's a lost cause. I, I'm not I'm not pissed about the lousy product we saw over the weekend because it's it's been lousy for a long time. So the uh, um, I somewhat agree. I think I somewhat agree. But, like, what's what's the next step? Like, so this year was not West versus East or anything like that. You think they, you think they get rid of that after this year? It was West versus East. Or, I'm sorry, like, not the draft. Well, they already you, did get rid of it. You think the draft was better? Uh... I don't think it was necessarily better or worse. 
I, I just think that we'd be better off doing like USA versus the world or, or doing like a one-on-one -on -one tournament or something. I see. I kind of like the, um, like how the rookies did it. Like they split it up kind of into teams a little bit. Yeah. And I was kind of a fan of that. I don't know how you felt about that. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Like, well, I mean, that was, that was like, I mean, we've seen the rising stars be like kind of a world game. Right. Before, but like this all-star game with the addition of um, not only rookies, but just like actual good players be kind of world all-stars. Like, could you see the actual all-stars being moved to like, like, look at it like, okay, I get Joel Embiid is hurt. But you have Joel Embiid, Luca, Giannis. Like, there's so many other premier players that are not from the U.S. that you could have a main all-star game that is world versus U.S. That's what I point. said. That's what I said. Yeah, you could do that. I'd be down for that. I'd be down to try it. Um but, but, Tom, like, as many of these good ideas and all that that we could come up with, the truth of the matter is it's never going to be as good as it once was. If your hope is, like, hey, we need to put a lot of fire in the ass of these players in the All-Star game to get this thing going again, newsflash, like, you might make it better, you might improve it, but it's never going to be what it was. Now, what if what if they moved it? to where the winner, despite the record in the finals, gets home court advantage. Oh, God, no. Please, no. Please, no. We saw the MLB try to do that, and that was a disaster. Well, no, I know they tried to do that. Like, where where do you – how do you how do you make the NBA All-Star game more competitive if, in your solution? I, I think it's like either USA versus the world or do like a one-on-one -on -one tournament or something like that. I think the format as is, it is a disaster. Well, because I know that the, um, I know that the rising stars, the winners, though they got 25K. Right. I, mean, I don't you know what the winners of the All-Star game got. Did they get anything? They got something. But, I mean, these guys are millionaires, like – there's yeah, no like what's what's twenty five k, right? What's a hundred thousand dollars to them? You know, like like trash. Yeah, like pennies on the dollar. Right. So I I don't know the the NBA like at this point is in a very interesting spot here, Tom, because you know we're hearing this talk like LeBron saying you know that retirement is, is coming soon, and he doesn't know if he wants to do a farewell tour. Or if he wants to go quietly like Tim Duncan and all this. And, and, and Tom, like, I hear that from LeBron. I don't think he's anywhere near stepping away or retiring. And to even hear him utter the Tim Duncan thing is laughable because nobody loves the attention and the spotlight more than LeBron James. We all know when he steps away, it's going to be when he's not good anymore, when he's lost his step. And... We know that he's going to do the whole Kobe farewell tour and all that. Like, that's, that's just who he is. Well, not only that, I mean, he's in ties with the NBA. It's going to make the NBA more money 
than they could ever make LeBron. Like, I'm sure they they promised him, like, LeBron's going to kind of be like Tom Brady. He has a guaranteed TV spot somewhere if he wants. I think, he's, but I, I don't know that I don't know. I think he's going to be an owner. I think we're looking at Kobe eventually being the owner of the LA the uh, the Vegas expansion franchise. I can see it. You make a you you know you bring up a good point, and you know that just expansion leagues all around the sports world have been making a comeback. Like they've mentioned, okay, like if it's going to be two more teams, it's going to be Seattle and Vegas. Right. I've heard MLB is going to make an expansion to two more teams. I've even heard one of those teams will be San Antonio and Austin, like in a kind of a joint venture. Yeah. Um, um, the MLB sounds like the favorites of Nashville and Salt Lake. Um, but Nashville the- would be great. I'm surprised Nashville doesn't already have one. Yeah, and they got the land out there for it, too, right there just outside downtown. They could easily get it done. But – yeah, as far as the NBA goes with LeBron, like, you know, this is a guy that cares a lot about his legacy and, and how he's a businessman at this point. All his business ventures and everything. Like, this, this is, I think, we're not even close to seeing the end of LeBron. I will say this, though, Tom. It won't shock me if this is his last year with the Lakers. The Lakers are such a mess and a dumpster fire. I could very well see LeBron. You, you heard it first as we're recording this on Wednesday, February 21st. I'm going to go ahead and I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there right now. LeBron James will not be with the L.A. Lakers next season. Where does he go? Now, that part I don't know, but I can't see him being content with the Lakers just being the non-threat they are. Well, you mentioned that. they don't have They don't have any – picks to really make a whole lot of moves. Right. So you think he goes where Bronny goes? Well, Bronny's not coming out. Bronny's coming back to school next year. So you think so you think he goes to wherever he he might end up next year? Like wherever he ends up next year, if you think LeBron's going to leave this year is where Bronny gets drafted? No, I didn't say that. No, I, I think that LeBron's probably goes somewhere on like a one-year deal. And then plays it by ear? Plays it by ear. Like, you know, we heard those rumblings about the Warriors reached out for a trade and all that. I would not be shocked at all if we see LeBron James with the Golden State Warriors pairing up with Steph Curry next year. God, I'd hate that. Right? I mean, could they? I mean, I think the like Warriors made enough money. He doesn't have to take a huge deal. I think the Warriors are going to move on from Draymond. Clay's futures in question. I think they know the clock is ticking; that their window is closing. Why not give it one more shot with with LeBron? And then after LeBron, they figure it out from there. Then they do the rebuild. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I could see it. I I think so. So, so here is my prediction of the LeBron timeline, Tom. LeBron finishes out the year with the Lakers this year, goes to the Warriors, joins Steph for one last final run, plays a couple more seasons, 
eventually plays with Bronny in the pros. And then eventually we're talking about him being the future owner of the Las Vegas NBA franchise. I already have the script. I have been given the script by the NBA, and that's the script for LeBron's next chapter. I mean, it's not a bad script to predict, really. Like, it's there's nothing there that I could see being like, man. I mean, the whole time I'm like, I, I don't see something that I could be like, okay, probably not. Like, it's all kind of all makes sense. Yeah. Now, uh, does it happen? I don't know. Do you think he's back in L.A. next year? Man, it's hard to tell. Like, L.A. is right now 10th. If they miss the playoffs, L.A. only has so much room to work with. That's that's the problem. Right. L.A. doesn't have a whole lot of, like, they don't have a whole lot of room to move pieces or to actually really do anything. They don't, they don't have a whole lot of room to make noise. And I think that could be kind of where we stand of like, oh, well, LA doesn't really have a whole lot. You know, they don't really have a whole lot of options to actually do some shit. So I don't know. Um, Other stuff going on in the NBA, Tom. Uh, I want to get your, your thoughts on this. As we begin the the run to the playoffs essentially at this point after the all-star break and play resumes on Thursday. If you had to guess right now, who ends up in the NBA files? Who are the teams that you like to make that push as we enter the back end of the 2023 through 2024 campaign? I have the teams I like in the West and the East and I'll, I'll say who they are, Tom, but I want to hear from you first. Hmm. I've got the Celtics, and I've got the Clippers. Okay, I I, I got the the Celtics in the East as well, but I still got the Denver Nuggets in the West. I'm not giving up on Joker, um, and Jamal Murray. And now that they've been there, done that, and know what it takes to get there, um, I still like the the Denver Nuggets in. Matchup wise, Tom, like for me too, because a lot of this comes out of matchups. You know, I love Oklahoma City. Minnesota's had a great year. The Clippers have played really good the last several weeks. I still don't think any of those three teams match up well against Denver. I think I think Denver's a bad matchup for all three of those teams. Even the Thunder. Especially the Thunder. Who's gonna guard Joker? I don't think I don't think that the I don't I don't really think that the Nuggets have played well enough. I mean, they're, they're three games. We, we, talk, we talk about how hard it is to like repeat in the NFL. Right. I think it's even harder to repeat in the NBA. I mean, the Warriors would say otherwise. Well, I mean, true, but like. In, in today's NBA, I'm like, okay, well, who is who's going to compete with? Like the 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 Nuggets are kind of already having their struggles. I don't think if Joker is this dominant. Like, I think someone could get him, and 
there's there's also more moves or more there's more moves in the NBA that actually affect gameplay compared to the NFL. Like, yeah, you can get a play, like you can't get a Paul George in the NFL and it affects your whole team like completely immediately. Right. Now like if you get a if you get a star player in the NBA, like, well that's you know, twenty percent of your team immediately. Now, now, looking at like Denver, for example, Tom, we'll talk about impact and, and everything. There's not a player I would want right now more on my team than Joker. Joker's the best player in the world, bar and none. No question about it. Has no bigger impact on the game than than anybody. That to me is 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 the difference. Like why I like this Denver team to come out of the West. Nobody can defend him. The team plays well together. Like, I, I just don't see who is stopping Joker in the Western Conference. Yeah, no, I definitely get that because, one, he is he is maybe one of the greater facilitators of our time. Like, you can't really compare him to anybody in terms of facilitating the ball. I mean, you really can't. Like, he's he's incredible. And like to try to make up for what he can do, you know, you might be thinking out of a couple of nights. So right. I think I think he can he can facilitate and do. I don't think here's here's my here's my like ooh, okay, what's going to happen? I don't think Jamal Murray is as good as he was last year. That could be true. <laughs> You might be on something there. Um, now, on, on the Eastern side of things, you and I both like that Celtics team. Um, the way that we've seen Jason Tatum step up and, you know, an MVP candidate in his own right and that team around him, like, I, I, I wonder, Tom, like, talent is not the issue with that team, but, but can they finish the job? Can they get over the hump, like – you know, people joke about like the Sunday scaries and all that. Like, can can this Celtics group get past their their woes and their struggles that that have? Well, yes, yeah, it's, it's Doc Rivers. Can they get past Doc Rivers? I, I think they're a better team than the Bucks, and and Doc's done a terrible job so far in Milwaukee. Yeah, I, I don't think. I, I mean, I'm I've never been a Doc fan. Doc I mean, is the Doc's most overrated coach in the league. league. Even Doc's son is trash talked his own dad in terms of coaching. Yeah. Um, so I'm like, okay, like, are they going to get it done? I think Damian Lillard, unfortunately, and I like Damian Lillard. I like Dame. I think he is, I think is our generations are like the next generations. Allen Iverson. He, he could go, he could go to the Warriors. He could, they could play a two. You know they could play Steph and Dame together, and it would it, he could go to anywhere. It wouldn't matter. They're not going to win. It. Like he's he's bound almost to not win a championship. Yeah, he's like Chris Paul. He's he's the new Chris Paul. Maybe so. Um, it, it's it's fascinating. Uh, that, that that's for certain uh, on that front. Uh, who is? One more NBA question, then we'll move on here from from here, Tom. Who we, we mentioned that you said you like the Clippers and the Celtics. I said I like the Nuggets and the Celtics. 
who is the team in this second half of the season that's got the best shot to potentially shock people? Maybe, maybe go on a, a second half run, really just kind of come out of nowhere. I got I got one team in mind, but I, I want to hear from you first. Oh, you know who it is. It's the Thunder. Well, I mean, they're, they're the <laughs> ultimate dark horse. Are they a dark horse at this point, though? They're they're second in the West. Uh, a little bit because they're so young. I, I didn't even count the Thunder because of how good they've played, but I, I, I respect. I think it. I think they're too young, but I, I think they could do it. That's the one thing I'll say about SGA, Tom. What what he's done a really good job of, like he's got Jalen Williams and Chet and these guys playing like veterans. They don't look young out on the floor. Well, I mean, SGA is an incredible leader. Like, yes. he he changes uh, – he, he's – I'm not going to say Tom Brady of the team because he's still, like, what, six years in the league? Right. But, like, he leads that team, like, okay, any, any night, like, he's not scared of any big team. Right. And 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 to be honest, any team that he goes up against that has a big player, he I, I haven't seen him had a bad game. Right. Like, in, in in my eyes, as much as I don't like, and the only reason I don't like the Thunder is because I'm from there, and I'm like, I feel like an egotistical like I had a team before all you motherfuckers had a team. Like everybody here in the state of Oklahoma can fuck like suck my dick real quick. He- he really right. hits them because they're a friend, Jose, but that's a whole other story. I but. mean, yeah, but but I'm like, man, to have SGA, he he doesn't he doesn't see any of that. He just goes out and performs every single night, and I think the Thunder are lucky to have him. And I even read an article today about the Paul George trade where Doc was not really trying to trade SGA if they didn't have to get rid of him, but Presti saw what he saw. And yeah. it was like, if you want Paul George, you're gonna have a you're gonna have to give a shake. Yeah. The the team for me, Tom, that, that's got my attention, that's kind of off the radar, that could make that second half run. Um, I'm not just saying this because I live here. Uh I have no way a fan of this team. I'm just real rec- real recognizes real. Don't sleep on the Dallas Mavericks. Mavericks are seven games out of first place. Luca obviously is Luca. Kyrie has started to found his rhythm, his groove into this uh, this Mavs team. Um, I, I think Dallas could potentially shock some people and make some noise here. I, I would I would say this as a Thunder fan, or or any one of those top four, I would not want to face Dallas in that first round, Tom. What seed is Dallas right now? They're a seven seed right now. Yeah, as a as a two, I would or. If they get if they end up finishing as a seven, I would not want to face them as a two. Yeah. Now, to be fair, where the Lakers are at, I wouldn't necessarily want to face LeBron either. Right. Hmm. The West is kind of like the Big Twelve. Yes. Yes, it now, is. Now I know that I know the East Eastern Conference won the All Star game. And a lot of people say, well, there's more All-Stars in the Eastern Conference. And, okay, they might be true, but when it comes down to, like, full teams, the West is still stronger than the East. 
Yeah. Uh, At least in my opinion. And it was one all-star game where nobody played defense. You know, they didn't tell the story. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, at this point, like we've talked about, it, it's kind of like a, no one's really taking it seriously. Like everyone's kind of like, oh, yeah, we're just having fun. Yeah, exactly. Um, with that said, we will uh, we'll move on and uh, get to our uh, Big 12 breakdown this week. We'll uh, talk Big 12 hoops, Big 12 football coming up in just a bit. Um, later on, Steve Weish is going to be here. We'll talk some NFL and got the football fix with Coach Bo as well as Tom Fullery coming up later on. It is the Big 12 Breakdown. Tyler Schultz, Thomas Bridges here with you with a comprehensive look around the Big 12 Conference as we talk Big 12 football and basketball. And uh, Tom, we begin each and every week with our hot takes in the league. And uh, I'll say this. Last week, I, I was... I was on the brink of giving up on that Kansas team. And somehow they, they always find a way. They always find a way to reel me back in just when I'm about to give up. And this past week they did it again. A statement double-digit road win in Norman at OU. Uh, it was their seventh straight win against the Sooners. They look good. And McCullers back. Hunter Dickinson's looking good. Burfee's putting it together. Just when I'm about to sell this team, when I'm ready to give up hope, they bring me back in, and, and I'm I'm all bought in again, Tom, for better or for worse. I like where this team's at. I think they got over the hump. They did what they needed to do, and now I expect this team to make a big run in March. Uh, I'm, I'm all in again, Tom. They seem like they're gaslighting you. <laughs> that's a perfect way to describe it i think like you're a bad girlfriend oh my god you you, you might be a hundred percent right and you know they might lose to northern iowa in the first round oh please don't say that don't say that but, but they also be. might make the final four what uh What's more likely to happen right now, Tom, if you were to guess? Kansas is in the Final Four in Phoenix or is eliminated before the first weekend's over? Mm. I I would say right now, considering how I've seen them play, I think it's more likely that they, you know, lose in the Sweet 16. That wasn't the question. I said first weekend or <laughs> Final Four. Okay, so I mean, fair enough. I try to take the middle ground. I think they. I, I think it's more like they lose in the first weekend. Uh, there it is. There it is. They might not though. They they might win the whole motherfucker. <laughs> Tom literally just covered his ass on every prediction. Well, they might I lose. Mean, they, they, I mean. I mean, we we talked about it. I mean, I, I hate the whole saying thing. this every week. I hate saying this every week. But we talked about the Chiefs, and they figure out a way to win. Yeah. I mean, they're in the same location. There might be something in the water there in KC Mo, KCK. They might just – they might win the whole shit. I hope you're right on that account. I bet you do. Better. All right, Tom, give me your hot take this week. Where are you going? <laughs> hmm, it's hard to say. I almost wanted to like start this off as like okay. I almost wanted to start it off as like okay. I don't have any hot take. There's no football. Now Oklahoma State 
did beat the Mormons, and I was super happy about that. I was like, all right, well, beat the Mormons by 10. Um, you know, there was like a – and then they went on yesterday – or they went on tonight while we're recording this and beat Cincinnati. Are they going to make the tournament unless they won the Big 12 championship? No. For what it's worth, OU comes to Stillwater in basketball for the final time while they're in the Big 12. I think they're going to continue playing. But as a Big 12 team, this will be the last time. And this is on Saturday. I think Oklahoma State gets the dub. Um, no Bryce Thompson. He's hurt right now. Um, but, you know, it's a rivalry game. They still might be able to pull it off. We'll see what they do. Um, before we talk about the good of what's going on in the Big 12, let's talk about coaches that are on the verge of being fired. Um Got some odds. Uh, Mike Boyden. Yeah, believe me, we're getting there. Uh, courtesy of the Bet Kentucky Sportsbook, here is some odds on some coaches likely to be fired this offseason. Um, and, and this is in order of most likely to be fired uh, first, okay? Um, and, and here's the Big 12 coaches on the list. Mike Boyden has got the highest odds at plus 1,200. Um, Josh Ellert, the uh, West Virginia coach, it, it's not even fair to say fired with him because he was an interim head coach anyway, replacing Bob Huggins. He's at plus 2,500. They're bad. And then Johnny Dawkins at UCF plus 2,500 as well. Tom, I'll, I'll say this, like, you know, weeding out the bad, right? Like I, I fully anticipate Mike Boyden to be fired. Um, Josh Ellert, like, we knew ahead of time, like, that was a bad situation. And well, I think he stays on staff. I think they just replace him. Maybe, but, like. Or they give him an option. We knew it from the very jump that wasn't going to work. He was set up. Well, to- I think he knew it, too. The Johnny Dawkins one is a little bit of a head-scratcher for me because I know that their record isn't spectacular, but they've won some big games beating Texas, beating Iowa State, beating Kansas, beating Oklahoma in their first year in the league. It wasn't going to be easy transitioning the conference and everything. I, I would actually be surprised if Johnny Dawkins gets fired at UCF. I do think Boyden and Elwood are gone, but Johnny Dawkins, I, I don't know about that one. Yeah, he feels he feels like a D2 Jerome Tang. <laughs> they're not, they're, you know, they're not going to – you know, he feels like a great value Jerome Tang. They're not going to make the elite eight or anything, but like, and and I don't, I haven't looked at the bracketology. I think UCF could sneak in. Um, UCF right now, as uh, I pulled this up in real time for the folks out. UCF is at thirteen and twelve, so no, they're not getting in. Well, but- I think I think UCF could sneak in by way of the the tournament. No, they're not going to win the Big Twelve tournament. I, I'm, I'm telling I mean, you. Every every year we talk about the Big Twelve tournament, and the first question that comes out of your mouth: Should KU try to win the Big Twelve tournament, or should if they if they get down, should they pack it in and, and call it? I don't think they're going to have the luxury of winning the Big Twelve tournament to get the number one seed. I mean, Houston's going to get the number one seed. Houston's going to win the Big Twelve champ or Big Twelve championship. 
at least in the regular season. Yeah, we'll we'll get to Houston all that here in a second. But on, on UCS front, like you don't think they have a, even a, a smidge of a bit of a chance. So think about this, Tom. We have a new format in the Big Twelve tournament this year, where there are now five rounds in the Big Twelve tournament. The top four seeds get a double buy, and then the next four teams get one buy. And then the bottom four teams have to play five games to win it all. At the moment, K-State, OSU, UCF, and West Virginia would have to play five games to win the Big 12 tournament. I don't see UCF winning five in a row. Like that, that's that's a murderous row. I, I don't think you could you could put Houston all the way back there if you said Houston, you got to win five games to win it all. I don't know if Houston could win five. Hey, if they do it, if UCF pulls it off. Give me and give me them in the elite eight. <laughs> we we saw Bruce Weber do some things. Uh, that'd be that'd be sh- some crazy shit right there. If UCF could pull that off. Um, Ready for the but, bounce house, baby. But um, of those three jobs, real quick, Tom, uh, of what is, let's just say that they do fire Johnny Dawkins. Of what's about to open potentially OSU, West Virginia, and UCF. I know UCF is the best destination in Orlando, place to live. West Virginia probably has the most recent basketball success with Bob Huggins. But Oklahoma State is the best program, historically speaking. Incredible arena and everything and all that. I I think of those three jobs, like, I'm I'm taking the OSU job every day. I I think that'd be the best of the three. Yeah, you know, and I think so. And, like, Brad Underwood was there. Obviously went to Illinois, and has had decent, de- you know, not horrible success. He isn't. I don't think Brad Underwood's made an elite eight with Illinois. He has <clears throat> maybe one, if that. I mean, I'm being generous, but I, you know, at the end of the day, I'm like, okay, I like Mike Boynton as a person. I've met him a couple times. Great person, um, but when it comes down to they're paying you for what you're worth. And you have these recruiting classes, and you can't do anything with it. Well, then, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's business. So, I just don't know who they go after uh, at this point. Like, who do, who do you who do you chase if you're Oklahoma State? Jerome Tang is my first phone call. You think you would leave K State having having an Oklahoma kid from Bartlesville come in is like the number five recruit in the country? Um, I think the the thing you have to convince Jerome Tang, really if you're anybody trying to convince Jerome Tang, is yeah, you, are, you are being micromanaged at K-State. You are not being allowed to run the program as you see fit. Come to my school. We'll pay you whatever you want. We're not going to micromanage you, and we're going to let you rock and do your thing. That's the... That's the elevator pitch I would give. If I'm Oklahoma State or if I'm anybody, and Jerome Tang's my first phone call, that's what I'm telling him. I mean, yeah, you, you do make a good point because like, I think obviously – I do think, Tom, Jerome Tang leaves K-State. It's just a matter of which job he wants to take. You think he leaves this next year? I do, and he should leave, honestly, because they – totally, the, the way they handled – uh, that whole situation earlier this year, suspending his own player against his will, that was grounds for him to walk out right then. I mean, yeah, they're kind of hoeing him. Yeah. 
They they're they are honestly hoeing him a little bit. And you might have a good point. Um he deserves better than K State. Conference. What? You think he goes in conference? I wouldn't rule it out. I mean, he yeah, was. I, I would welcome him with open arms if he wanted to come to Stillwater. He was an assistant at Baylor. I mean, he's been a Big Twelve guy through and through, so I wouldn't rule that out. But yeah, we'll see. Oh, don't get me wrong. I would. I would. I would be. I'd be full full on journey, open arms, if he wanted to come. To- <laughs> If he went, if he was like, yeah, you know what, I think I could solve call Stillwater home. I'm like, um, okay, well, arms wide open. Coach. Um, a couple other uh, Big Twelve notes here. Um, you mentioned Houston, and big win on Monday against Iowa State. By the way, Tom, shout out to ESPN for listening to this show because we called them out for that Iowa State Houston game being scheduled to be an ESPNU. And they flexed it. They moved it to Big Monday at the last minute on ESPN. So great. They knew what was going down. Yeah, they they knew what was up. They they didn't want to waste a top six six matchup on a network nobody got. Um, And Houston wins. Controlled that game from start to finish pretty much. And uh, here they are uh, atop the Big 12 standings, uh, you know, at 10 and 3 with just a couple weeks left to go. Tom, not only is Houston going to win this league, they are going to win this league outright and be the outright Big 12 champions. Um, LJ Cryer probably should be the player of the year in the conference. He has been phenomenal. Uh, and Kelvin's done an incredible job. Like To me, when we look at the history of the league, this is one of the most impressive coaching jobs I've seen of Kelvin to come in and – one of the toughest conferences we've ever seen in the history of college basketball. And, you know, when Kansas was projected to be the favorite, the number one team in the country, and Houston's going to steal their lunch money and and win the league and win the league outright. It's pretty remarkable. So you think Houston outright is going to win it? Houston's a one-season year odds. Yeah, I think it's over. I think Houston's already won the league. They've won it outright, and they're going to be a one seed. How far do you think they can get it? I think Houston can win the national championship. Really? I think they're that good. In fact, I know everybody likes UConn. And <laughs> UConn suffered a loss to, to Creighton on Wednesday, on a Tuesday night. Um, UConn's a very good team, ranked national champs and everything. I might, Tom, you talk about a heel turn, and I was down on Houston about a month ago. Don't check those tapes. Um, A heel turn on Houston, Tom. I'm so all in on Houston. I might even – I'm just going to go ahead and spit the words out of my mouth. On February 21st, 2024, Tyler Jones predicts Houston will win the national championship. In Phoenix. In Phoenix, and I'll be there. You're going to cut the nest down with Houston. Yeah. I, now, it's funny because we opened this show with, with my hot take on Kansas that, that I've bought back in. But it, it's it's Houston who has really won my heart and won me over after, after me doubting them this year. That's fair. Who do you think has the greatest chance of beating them? Kansas. I know Iowa State 
made it an interesting game the other night. Like I, Iowa State's done a great job this year. TJ has done a great job with that program. You know, number sixteen, number sixteen in the country. They're really good. Baylor, I think, is trending in the right direction. Tech is good. BYU is good. I think TCU and Oklahoma and Texas and Cincinnati, they're, they're all comparable. You know, very good teams. But I think it's Houston one. I think it's Kansas two. Baylor and Iowa State, Texas, BYU, and then everyone else after that. I definitely can see it. Um what are we what are we planning to do for the Jones Report um bracket challenge? We haven't done that in a couple of years. I think we should bring it back where it's like I don't know how many people we could get, but if everybody like could figure I guess figure that out and then go, you know, like, okay, ten dollars to you. Do a little buy-in or something. Second takes Second takes, you know, maybe thirty-three percent of whatever it is. The winner takes, you know, sixty-six point six percent. Yeah, it'd be a lot of fun. We might have to work out something. We'll see. Uh, but you're 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 asking for me to do more work, uh, which is not what I need to do. Uh, <laughs> Because I, I know how that'll go. It would be on me to put that together. I, I don't know about that. Uh, oh, I, I might make the bracket challenge. The uh, the Big 12 slate of games this week, you mentioned Bedlam coming up on Saturday for one final time. Houston-Baylor, that's going to be a slobber knocker, Tom. Um, yeah, yeah. That game in Waco at Baylor's brand-new arena – Houston, we mentioned just all the momentum they got, how, how well Baylor's been playing, um, in-state rivalry game and everything here. I, I, I could I lean towards Houston, but I could see that going either way. I mean, brand new, brand new arena, brand, you know, like, well, we always talk about this. Everybody beats everybody up on the reg. In the Big 12. I wouldn't be shocked, but I will still take Houston. Um, the other games on the slate this weekend, Iowa State should take care of business against West Virginia at home. BYU-K-State, that game in Manhattan, K-State trying to keep their tournament hopes alive. That's a must-win game for the Cats, Tom, and it would be huge for not only just staying alive for the tournament, but also for the resume, too. That's a, that's a quad one win if you beat a top 25 BYU team there. I mean, yeah, you, you know, uh, they wouldn't be the first in the past two weeks to beat them. I mean, you know, OSU got the job done, but you know, every you know, it's kind of like the Travis Tritt song. It's a great day to be alive. It's it's a great day to beat the Mormons. So, I think, you know, I think K State can pull it off. Yeah, Cam Carter, he, he's he doesn't get enough credit. Hell of a player. I expect him to have a big game. TCU taking on Cincinnati on Saturday. Um, that game in Fort Worth should be a very good matchup between those two teams. Um, watch out for Emmanuel Miller. Let's see what he can do for uh, for TCU there. Tech taking on UCF. UCF, they're 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 out of it unless you listen to Tom and think they can win the Big 12 tournament. But Johnny Dawkins coaching for his job. Tech trying to improve that tournament resume. That's just a no-excuse game. That's a potential trap game. Tech, you can't afford to lose in Orlando there. 
And then Kansas taking on Texas. Kansas, a week off, coming off the win against Oklahoma. You're back at home, fresh, rejuvenated. Texas, though, at 17-9, at not a bad team. Max Aismas has really come along as of late. But now McCullough healthy and everything. This is where Kansas starts to kick it in gear. We, we see this team that we expected to see all season long. I think that we'll see that Saturday against Texas, Tom. The ORU comes out in Max Aismith, and uh, we see them. We see them make the, at least the Sweet Sixteen. Uh, maybe so. Um, and then some uh, other games uh, <laughs> coming up this week. Uh, Big Monday, TCU and Baylor. Uh, that game coming up uh, Monday night in Fort Worth should be a very good showdown. K State and West Virginia Monday as well. K State should take care of business. Tuesday, you get Houston and Cincinnati, old rivals in the American. Houston should do well there, you would think. Um, they're the better team there, but Cincinnati, not a bad team, playing for their tournament lives. BYU visits Lawrence for the first time. We've seen teams struggle in their first visits to Lawrence this year. I think Kansas is going to be okay there on Tuesday. Tech and Texas. How about that one, Tom? One final time. We're talking about rivalries ending. Um it's been personal between Texas and Texas Tech, especially with the Chris Beard stuff over the last couple of years. And we we all know about what happened when Chris Beard was there, when they stopped his bus. And, you know, like there's been, you know, the police have been getting involved in like high security so bad that Texas says, we don't want to play Tech in any other sports again because of how they treated us and what they put us through and all this. It, it, it's personal here. I, I expect it to be an incredible atmosphere on Tuesday when when, when Tech beat, plays Texas one final time, and I think I think Tech gets it done. They they make a statement for that last go round. Well, I think they're going to want it more. You know, yeah. I, I know the Conte with Texas is kind of like how did it say and like well we don't really and and he didn't even attack Texas Tech. Like by name, but he came out and was like, "Well, we really don't want to play Big Twelve teams." And it's like, "Okay, well, just say Tech." That's who we know you're talking about, right? Yeah, like, yeah, like, like it doesn't do us any good as an as, as a new SEC team to play a Big Twelve team and then potentially lose to them. If we beat them, well, it's kind of like, well, we should have beat them anyway. I get that, but just say Texas Tech. That's yeah. who you're talking about. Yeah, we all know. We all know. Um, and then Wednesday, you get UCF and Oklahoma State. Iowa State hosts Oklahoma on a Wednesday as well. So uh, there you have it. That is uh, our look uh, around the uh, Big 12 hoops side of things uh, this week. Uh Tom, one more final note, and then uh, then we'll wrap up uh, on the Big 12 breakdown this week. Uh, we'll talk about this more with Bo, but um, the playoff expansion conversation of, of how the format's going to be, the 5-7 format, um, you know, of that was confirmed this week. College football playoff going with five conference champions and seven automatic bids. There was a push to have – Four automatic bids from the SEC and the Big Ten that ultimately got vetoed and overridden. Um, the sad reality, I hate to admit, Tom, like 
with as much power the SEC, the Big Ten are going to command and where this is going, the direction of this, is really just about survival and making their voice heard and known. I know there was rumblings this week about taking some ACC teams, about potentially Virginia Tech and NC State reaching out and all that. But, I mean, that's that's what all this is. It's not just surviving to exist in the league, but surviving to have your voice be heard. I mean, yeah, it's kind of what it gets down to. And it's like, well, if you don't have SEC attached to your name, well, you can be in the next biggest conference, but you're still going to fight. You're still going to have to fight. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, that will do it for the Big 12 breakdown this week. Uh, Steve Weiss set to join us next. Coach Bode stopping by later. Tom Fullery as well. More to come. Stay with us here at the Jones Support. Join us now on the, the Jones Report this week. Pleased to welcome in from the NFL Network. Steve Weish is here with us, an old friend, as uh, we look back on what was the Super Bowl and begin the 2024 offseason. Steve joins us right now. Steve, always a pleasure anytime we get the chance to chat, my friend. I know it's been a minute, but hope you're doing well. How are things? My good friend, life is very, very good. There is no offseason in the NFL, but no, life is good, man. It's just Continuing to keep the train rolling, man, and I, and I love I love catching up with you. You know, it's always good, my dude. Absolutely, Steve. Uh, you mentioned no off season. So much going on for you. You're you're in New Orleans right now. Tell me what's going on there and some of the other activities uh, you've been doing in this kind of lead up to the draft of sorts here. Yeah, sure. I'm, I'm in New Orleans now for Saturday's All State HBCU Legacy Bowl. It's the third year of this event, and it's kind of like a senior bowl for the top 100 draft eligible players from historically black colleges and universities. Uh, Doug Williams and James Shaq Harris founded this three years ago after only one player from an HBCU was drafted over a two-year span, which is crazy when you think about, you know, there are 35 Pro Football Hall of Famers from HBCUs and so many great players in the league right now from HBCUs. So I'm down here doing that right now. Um, and then it's the combine next week, but I will not be going to the combine probably the first time in about 15 years. That's a personal choice. Just kind of a plug, Tyler. It's been, it's been a, a hell of a run this year. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you also worked the, uh, Polynesian bowl recently. Yeah. What was that like? And, uh, promoting those, uh, young athletes there. Yeah, the Polynesian bowl is awesome, right? So it is the ultimate high school all-star football game. We aired on, um, NFL network where you take 50 players uh, from Polynesian descent who mainly go to school in Hawaii and 15 are, I'm sorry, five zero, 50 players from the mainland, and you you bring them together. And these are the top high school players in the country. Dylan Rayola, the top quarterback in the country, was going to Nebraska, was there. Tennessee had several players, you know, these five-star recru- recruits um, who played in this game. Uh, and so many people have played in it. I mean, players like Tua Tungabayoloa, Puka Nakua, Travis Hunter, Bijan Robinson, guys like that. So that was really cool. It was my second year doing play-by-play on that with my man, uh, Kanoa Leahy. There's a great job on the play-by-play. And, you know, you're seeing high school players now who will be in the league in four to five years. And it's just great kind of getting those, those ground floor connections. But here's where we are, Tyler. There were like five millionaires playing in this high school all-star game because of NIL. And when you think about that, it's like, wow. Like, wow. And they haven't even got to college yet. 
Yeah, they're like early enrollees. You know, most of these guys enroll right after, you know, Christmas break, play in this game, and then they're making their their inaugural debuts, you know, at spring practice. You know, they just got to campus for their spring semester to get things kicked off. That's unreal. Uh, yeah. How far we've come on that front. Yeah, pretty pretty wild stuff there, uh, Steve. Uh, as far as the HBCUs go, Steve, you, you brought up a point about a couple of years ago only – uh, one player from an HBCU getting drafted, and and now here we are, and obviously everybody thinks of Dion right away, what he did at Jackson State, but now building upon that, obviously this this movement, it's bigger than any one man, bigger than Dion Sanders or Jackson State or all that, but continuing going forward here, seems like there's there's a lot of momentum towards the HBCUs now, and there there there's still. Uh, work to be done going forward of, of getting these guys promoted and getting them to the next level. Yeah, I mean, look, you're seeing some players from historically black colleges make a difference, right? The Kansas City Chiefs cornerback Joshua Williams drafted him two years ago out of Fayetteville State in the fourth round. Well, he's a heavy rotational player and has been ever since his rookie season. So is Cook, also their defensive back. He started out at Howard before he got transferred. And that's another big thing because of the portal. If you go to one of these smaller schools like Howard or Grambling or Jackson State or Southern, and you're good. Well, you know, Memphis or Minnesota or some of these schools are going to come try and pluck you um, from, you know, from that university. So that's a tough challenge coaches from all over have. But we've seen, you know, over the past three years, I believe, six players get drafted uh, from HBCUs. And from the HBCU Legacy Bowl alone last year, 15 of those players were in camps. Several of them made active rosters. So, again, the exposure that the players get, it's one-stop shopping. Scouts from all 32 teams are here for the HBCU Combine, which kicks off that Monday. And then, then the practices, they found some diamonds in the rough that have been able to help their rosters. And that's the goal that Doug Williams and James Shaq Harris intended when they launched this game three years ago. That's great. That's uh, that's fantastic. Steve, uh, let's start off with the uh, Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. Yep. Uh, Patrick Mahomes and company getting it done again, his third ring, as well as uh, Andy Reid, Travis Kelsey, and Chris Jones' third ring as well. What'd you make of what we saw from the Chiefs and uh, pulling off a, another Super Bowl title here? Well, I mean, again, they won, this they won this title. They got there with their defense, and they won this title with their defense. And, of course, Patrick Mahomes being the ultimate finisher, as we saw in overtime. And, you know, we always think about Patrick Mahomes, the big arm, the great throws, the spectacular things he does on the run. You know, some of the plays he made with his legs this season were just goes to show how much it means to him. Like a lot of players, a lot of quarterbacks aren't going to take off on third and 14, you know, with the full confidence that they're going to convert it like Patrick Mahomes has I mean so he he was incredible some of the things that they did to change up at the end of the season right Andy Reid committed more to the run that helped stop those offensive tackles from committing all of those pre-snap penalties that they were making those holding calls that they were making and that got this offense into a rhythm and they were peaking at the right time and the thing is that to scare everybody else was this was here to get the Chiefs like they're going to get you know, some players this offseason to make that offense better. And so the fact they've got such a young defense, they've got their quarterback paid, so they know the financial structure of what they they have to work with, they could be even more dangerous, uh, 
moving forward again with the development of some of the young talent that they've had on that roster. Oh yeah, it, it's remarkable. Uh, you know, this next step from here, Patrick Mahomes uh, only going to get better. But then the first question I think Steve is what happens with Chris Jones here? Uh, yeah, they'll they'll bring him back, and if so, what what kind of term sheet we looking at? Is it is it just a a quick one or two year deal, or are they going to try to get something done longer than that? I mean, ideally, I'm sure they'd like to get something done, but they've got to pay luxurious Sneed, too. They, I mean, they've got to take care of the corner. Sneed's franchise tag number and Jones's franchise tag number are very high. Now, I would expect Sneed to get tagged um, just so they can keep a placeholder on him until they work out a long-term deal, but they can't let him go. They cannot let luxurious Sneed go. He he was doing some Darrell Revis-type stuff this year in terms of just erasing the other team's best receiver, making it a 10-on-10 football game. In terms of Chris Jones, this is going to be tough. Um, I know he said at, at the parade, I'm not going anywhere. Well, I think when Sobriety checked back in, his agent was like, yo, dude, don't give away our leverage. You know, we're trying to make money here. The teams are going to make you generationally wealthy. So we'll see about that or if they can come to the type of deal that he would like. You know, who knows what that is. But the one thing we don't see, even though – Everyone's like, oh, I should take a team-friendly deal. Agents don't do that because if you lower the resetting of the defensive tackle market, that the trickle-down is pretty widespread. So I think keeping Chris Jones would be tougher than keeping Legereus Steve. Yeah, I, I agree. I think you're on to something there. The team that they beat, the San Francisco 49ers, uh, got to figure out some things going forward, the, the first of those being their defensive coordinator situation. Steve yeah. walks out. What does Kyle Shanahan do from here? What do you think – uh, they're they're going to do at that D coordinator spot, and how different do you think that defense will look uh, next year compared to what we saw? Well, to answer your last question first, it's not going to look that much different. I mean, the talent is what it is. It's some of the most elite talent in the NFL that is front seven centric, and that's why Steve Wilkes is gone because the front seven did not dominate like they typically did. They got gashed on the ground. We saw that in the second half against Kansas City. We saw it all through the playoffs by the Packers and Lions ran all over you know, 150 yards plus in both of those games by those two teams in the, in the NFC playoffs. So who the defensive coordinator is going to be, we'll see. There's a lot of speculation. It's going to be Brandon Staley. But keep in mind, Steve Wilkes was the first defensive coordinator that they imported after having Robert Sala and D'Amico Ryans there. You know, the other two coordinators under Kyle Shanahan to be coaching the 49ers. Him coming in from the outside, while having to work with coaches who have been there under him, that was a tough battle for Steve Wilkes. I mean, like, oh, that's not how D'Amico did it, or that's not how Solid did it. That was a tough, tough battle. And he had to run their defense. So the defense he was not used to running. So those challenges were tough. I thought Steve did an admirable job. Um, so if they go, if they go with St Staley, that'll be intriguing. But he does run a system that's more familiar to what D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala ran, plus he's pretty damn good at, at his job. But I would not be stunned if they promoted somebody inside because that's kind of been the way the Niners have done it. You know, develop and promote, unlike a lot of teams that always go outside when they need to hire a coordinator or a key position coach. Yeah. Speaking of coaching changes, uh, we saw eight different coaches uh, get hired this cycle and – I think one of the big storylines was who didn't get hired, you know, with 
the likes of Belichick and Vrabel yeah. and Carroll, just to name a few. Uh, what, what did you like? Wh- who do you think hit a home run on uh, one of these uh, coaching hires that was made here? Yeah, this is th- that's a great question. Um, I think Washington did great getting uh, Dan Quinn there from Dallas, even though he's a defensive head coach, he is a culture dude. And we know that is a building and an organization that is trying to change his culture. So Dan Quinn will be the perfect leader for that. But you got to get a quarterback. Like all these teams need quarterbacks. That's the big thing. So it's hard to say what the home run is if they don't get the quarterback. And and so I like that. Gerard Mayo is going to be, you know, to have having to replace Bill Belichick and get a quarterback, that's going to be a challenge. But again, he's got the ownership that's going to support him not be knee-jerk unless something just absolutely catastrophic happens there. Uh, it's, it's it's really hard to tell. I mean, the, the, the interesting domino, you talk about the coaches who didn't get a job. Ben Johnson pulled his name out of the jobs, the offensive coordinator for the Lions. That's the dude everybody wanted. So that was what was intriguing. When he pulled out, that, that triggered some other dominoes that I don't think we were expecting to see. I mean, everyone thought he was Washington's through and through from the very beginning. And, and that kind of changed Washington's thinking. And they remember, they were flying to go interview him when he pulled his name out of the run. So it's it's a real, you know, I, I'm really intrigued by Ben McDonald going, I'm sorry, Mike McDonald going to Seattle. Seattle. Um, I think that he's put together a really, really good staff. So Leslie Frazier and, some of the people there. So if they can get that defense tightened up, they can be back in the mix pretty quickly, even if they stick with Geno Smith. Um, what also is intriguing, though, is the number of defensive coaches. You had four defensive coaches get hired, including Raheem Morris, uh, down in Atlanta, which really bucked the trend where we've seen so many offensive coaches take the lead in these circumstances when they're driving things. Yeah, it is fascinating to see that it worked out that way. And, and, what we've been told is, you know, hey, this is an offensive league now and everything. But, Steve, you know, if you put it in a situation where you get the coach you like, then go let that offensive coordinator coach that offense. You can you can still ha- have both let the defensive coach come in and, and bring his culture and then let the offense or your offensive coordinator coach that offense and have that balance. I think owners and, and GMs kind of realize that here. Well, D'Amico Ryan's really turned the tables on a lot of that thinking by a first-year head coach going down to Houston with a first-year coordinator and a first-year quarterback coach, drafting the right quarterback and taking a team that had been the, the symbol of dysfunction the past three seasons to the playoffs and becoming kind of America's team. I mean, everybody was pulling for the Houston Texans. So I think when some owners saw D'Amico Ryan's show what leadership can do and instilling confidence and faith into an organization – Hey, we don't need the big steamer or the quarterback whisper. We need somebody who can put their arms around our organization and, and really maximize everything that we we're providing that coach to succeed. Let's uh, talk Justin Fields now. Uh, yeah. That situation in Chicago, uh, obviously they had that number one pick. Everybody's thinking they're going to go Caleb Williams there. What do you think happens with uh, Justin Fields next? This is so amazing to me um, because it seems like within a week, the conversation went from should they keep Fields and maybe trade, you know, trade the pick and get a bounty of picks to if they're taking Justin, if they're they're taking Caleb Williams. That seems like I mean, it seems like it's we again we don't know what they're going to do. 
The crazy thing to me is with all the changes they made, why did they keep Matt Eberflus? If you're going to go ahead and use that number one pick on a potentially, you know, generational talent like Caleb Williams, why did you keep a defensive head coach who hires an offensive coordinator that wasn't a hot guy in Shane Walter and a good offensive coordinator like Shane? Um, to go ahead and do that. that. That dynamic is something I still can't get over why I still kind of like, maybe they are going to keep Fields. I, I just don't know. Well, let's say they trade Justin Fields. I'm going to keep saying this because everyone keeps linking the Falcons and the Steelers to Justin Fields. I think that is very misplaced. The Atlanta Falcons had a chance to draft him with Terry Fontenot, the general manager who's still in Atlanta, and Arthur Smith, the new offensive play designer, play caller, and offensive coordinator in Pittsburgh. And they did not like Justin Fields. They passed on him and took a tight end in Kyle Pitts. So I'm like, well, why all of a sudden, after three years of inconsistent play, sometimes spectacular, but the, the record is what it is, are they all of a sudden going to say, if I get him now, I'm going to make him whole? I, so – I don't know where they could trade Justin Fields. I think the Raiders uh, would be a, a great fit. I don't know what the relationship is with him and Luke Getzey's old OC in Chicago, who's now at the Raiders. But I think in that division, they haven't seen a quarterback like him in whatever. And he could be a problem um, for those three of the best offensive head coaching minds we've seen in our generation, Jim Harbaugh, Sean Payton, and Andy Reid. Um, but I think the Raiders would be the ideal fit. I, I have no idea where this is going to go. But, but you know, there's so many teams that need quarterbacks, and there's not enough quarterbacks to go around. Some team is going to make a move for Justin Fields, and it'll just be intriguing to see how quickly that happens. Wouldn't be surprised if it happened shortly after the combine. Next yeah, well, and, and you look at this quarterback market. I mean, Kirk Cousins about to hit free agency. We've heard the the Seahawks aren't necessarily opposed to trading Geno Smith potentially, right. that they're taking calls on that. I mean, I, I feel like, Steve, that we might have like a, a, the, the floodgates open here pretty soon on some, some quarterback movement that nobody sees coming. Well, it's, it's happened the past few years. I mean, that's why off the offseason has been bananas, you know, from Aaron Rodgers leaving to Russell Wilson. I mean, we, we've seen it year after year now. These, these current man, general managers – have no fear of moving quarterbacks and acquiring quarterbacks. So it's going to happen. Again, there's too many teams that need quarterbacks. There's too many teams that aren't necessarily like, are the Minnesota Vikings, they want to keep Kirk Cousins, but can they mortgage their future for the money Kirk Cousins has been making? I don't know if they can do that. You know, Baker Mayfield, he played himself into a big deal. So the Buccaneers better get cracking if they want to keep him. Because if he hits free agency, he's going to be, Somebody starting quarterback the next day. So, but after that, that's like it. Like, what veteran quarterbacks? I mean, okay, maybe maybe Gardner Minshew. You know, he did a very good job for the Colts this year. But, I mean, that's where we are. If you can't position yourself to get up there and grab one of these top four or five quarterbacks, and that's still like seven or eight quarterbacks we've talked about, including the draft picks. There's 10 teams that need quarterbacks. So, yeah. again, it's it's going to be quite an interesting conundrum, let's say, for a lot of teams. 
No doubt. Steve Weish, NFL Network, joining us here at the Joe Sport this week. Uh, Steve, uh, what team do you have your eye on? Who's got kind of the most to gain, you think, going into this offseason? Uh, I, I think the Washington Commanders, um, they got the number two pick. They have a bunch of cap space. I think that is a team to watch on draft day because let's say they want one of these young quarterbacks, but okay, maybe a team like Atlanta wants to come up from eight. Okay, so they move up to two. They get Washington's number two. Washington gets a couple first-round draft picks, future draft picks, swips, swaps this year, uses one of them to move up to five, right, to get the quarterback that they want or something like that. I think Washington could be a significant player in terms of some free agent acquisitions, like if they can get their hands on Brian Burns, the edge rusher from Carolina, or someone like that, and get one of these one of these young quarterbacks and gain some, some trade equity in the process. You know, we've seen teams can turn it around pretty quickly. And, and I and I think that is absolutely a team to watch. Yeah, I think so. Uh what about teams that are close but are, are looking to get just one step up uh, from from getting to that that Super Bowl contention. Like for me, I, I think about like Baltimore and Detroit, obviously. But what what about you? Who are some teams that are just needed another move or two potentially? Well, the Packers aren't far away. I mean, the Packers showed that they they have really closed the gap on a lot of teams in the NFL. Got to get maybe a couple more playmakers on defense. They got to solidify the offensive line for one of those injuries. You know, they, they've, they've caught up to them, but they're not far away. Those young receivers and Jordan Love growing together have been fantastic. I don't think they need to do anything radical. I, just like Detroit, I don't think it needs to do anything radical. You can just get some key pieces and continue to draft well like they've done. team I really like also is the Rams. They finally have a first-round draft pick the first time since 2016. They've got cap space. Right, they've got to get themselves an edge rusher to, to play off of Aaron Donald. Right, they maybe they need to fortify their offensive line a little bit. Maybe a couple more playmakers in their secondary. They are not far away, man. Remember, they almost they almost with that great uh, performance by Puka Nakua got past Detroit. They're the one team in the final month of the season that gave the Ravens holy hell. You know, until the Chiefs went there and mopped them up in the playoffs. So. I don't think they're far away either, and I think they're going to be pretty aggressive in making some moves to try to get themselves beyond the 49ers and over the hump. One uh, common theme last offseason was the running backs not getting paid, these star veteran running backs, and now we got a, a, a bundle of them available in free agency this go-round. Do you see these guys getting rewarded with, with, with paydays here with teams maybe that they weren't playing for previously? How do you see the running back market playing out? Well, I mean, they're not going to get rewarded. They're, they're going to get maybe one-year deal. Like Derrick Henry's probably going to get a one-year deal to go somewhere. Saquon Barkley, one- or two-year deal to go somewhere. Josh Jacobs. Like, if I'm the Raiders, I don't let Josh Jacobs go. He's, he's so good. And his franchise tag number is really high. I'm really hoping that they can work out something with him. I think Saquon is gone for the Giants. Derrick Henry clearly is gone. Uh, there's some other running backs, Tony Pollard. I mean, that didn't really work. He had a 1,000 yards, but, I mean, how many of them are memorable? So there's just young – you just find young running backs every year that show themselves, and I think that's going to continue to be the norm 
And then these running backs wanting to get these big contracts, you know, you've got to be Christian McCaffrey and you've got to be a team like San Francisco willing to base everything around to get that type of money. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a great point. Uh, Steve, you have time for a couple more questions, then uh, we'll wrap up uh, on this. I got, I, got, I got one or two more, my man. My Perfect. Perfect. Up here. Perfect. Then, uh, then, we'll, then we'll go on this. Uh, Steve, uh, I want to ask you about T, T. Higgins, too, uh, there in Cincinnati. Yeah. How's that situation going to unfold, do you think? That's going to be a real interesting one because we had this discussion on uh, the show with James Palmer and I in the NFL report. If you if you sign him to a one- or two-year deal, then you're basically setting the floor for the Jamar Chase contract, which is coming up. Right. If you franchise him, you know, I think franchising is probably what's going to, they're going to have to do franchise him for a year and then let him go when you got to pay Jamar Chase, or they can create room. Maybe Trey Hendrickson's deal is up. Some other bigger contracts can come off the board. But I think they franchise him, let Tyler Boyd go, uh, and give it one more run with T. Higgins and Jamar Chase together before the contracts, the money just gets too big to keep them both. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. Steve, uh, before we go, plug away where uh, people can sell your uh, great stuff, man. Uh, you got this uh, this new show on uh, on Roku or something, right? Yeah, the NFL Report. Uh, it's James Palmer and I. It's a great interview show. Like, we get so many people from around the uh, NFL just to come on and, you know, have great interviews. It's not so much us. It's us getting people to feel comfortable to tell us a lot of stuff that they're not telling anybody else. We air on Mondays and Thursdays at 7 p.m. Eastern time. You can stream us on Roku, Tubi, Pluto, Peacock, and all of your free streaming apps. And it is on the NFL channel. It is not on the NFL network. This is the NFL network's channel on these free streaming apps. We've got a significant following. It is growing. I can't thank everybody enough for the love they've shown us. But we're giving you a good product. We're giving you the stuff that you want to know and you need to know. And we are not afraid to ask those questions. Never afraid, always. Uh, Steve, appreciate the time as always, my friend. Uh, definitely excited to see uh, what you're doing all offseason long and love the new show. Been been watching that as well. And you're doing a great job as always. Much appreciated, my friend. We'll talk again down the line. Appreciate you, my guy. Keep doing great stuff, Tyler. <laughs> Time for Coach Bo's Football Fix, presented by O'Connor Advisory Group. You can find O'Connor Advisory Group online, oagks.com, o'connoradvisorygroup.com. And check out the Coach Bo Knows Podcast, out each and every week, wherever you listen to podcasts. Coach Bo joins us right now. Bo, how we doing, my friend? Man, we are. It's, it's been a week. Um, man, it's busy, uh, which is a good kind of problem. But it's, uh, you know, it's that time of year. People are trying to get their taxes done, and they got questions and so on. A lot of work getting people's taxes and helping them get paperwork they need or whatnot. So a few clients saying, people I know saying, hey, who do you trust for taxes? I'm like, well, here's who I trust. You know, that kind of stuff. So always trying to help people out. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. We want to be your partner. OAGKS.com, AccountAdvisorGroup.com. Before I go any further, I know people can't see this because it's uh, an audio platform. But uh, I did notice the Oilers jacket. I didn't know you were an Edmonton fan. I do root for Edmonton Oilers. So, like, I um, I got into hockey just a couple of years ago, and it goes back to uh, New Year's Eve of 2019. Um, on New Year's Day, you know, 2020, I went to the Fiesta Bowl. And 
on the night of the night after the Fiesta Bowl, I went down with my son. We went to uh, while we were there, we went to a game on uh, the night before the the Rose before the Fiesta Bowl with the Fiesta Bowl of LSU, and then the next day we went to a hockey game, and we saw they put there the Oilers were in town to play the Coyotes, and we were wild by Connor McDavid, and so I've become I'm a Connor McDavid fan and. Now that's kind of my late night thing. Everyone's gone to bed. I'll turn the Oilers game on on ESPN Plus and and watch. So it's yeah, I, I've gotten into hockey the last couple of years a lot more than I ever have. Grow up in the South, we didn't really have it. So, um, but I really like it. I like it more than basketball now. And uh, now with ESPN Plus, you can get all the games except for like your local market. Which here in Lawrence, Kansas, is a little weird though because. We don't get both the St. Louis Blues and the Colorado Avalanche. I don't know why that is, but we can't get either of their games, but we get everybody else. But I root for the Oilers, and, yeah, I just threw this on tonight. So I like it. Uh, so with with that said, with you being – I know you're a big betting guy. Are, are you betting on hockey too? I actually do pretty good on hockey. Uh, okay. I do better hockey than do basketball. Um, I've stayed away from basketball for a little while now. Um I got my what I kind of do is I watch enough of those West Coast teams that you get a, a feel for who they are. You know, it's, I did the same thing last year in college basketball. Like I knew the West Coast Conference real, real well and the, the Pac 12 because I was watching those games late at night when everybody's gone to bed. I'm kind of a night owl, but uh, now I've turned it back into where it's hockey late night. So I've been watching a lot of that stuff. But I do, I, I might partake in a game here or there. Bo, I, I feel like. One way to really master with sports betting, um, if you can learn all about a small conference or a you know small Division One team that no one else knows about, you you can you can really just own that lane in betting. You can learn that in like small conferences. I think or be like like last year I did well in the West Coast Conference in basketball. Um, I think you can learn a little bit in the NHL. Um, but I think that like it's hard because then you get like popular teams, you know, odds can be inflated because they're trying to get you to play one way or the other. Uh, but I do think if you can kind of get one area you feel really comfortable in, that's the way to go. It's better if you're going to gamble. It is always better to play small and in small windows than any than to try to chase. Yeah. So that's, you know, I tell clients all, I tell people, all friends or anybody else I'm talking to, because I mean, obviously my podcast is sponsored by DraftKings and we you know, talk about it all the time I'm there. And it's, you know, again, I don't place five bets or six bets on a weekend. It might be one or two. And this is where I think I know the best information. And I don't play a lot of money either. So, I mean, that's just, it's more about fun. And again, big thing for us is that, again, my pod, Coach Bono's podcast is sponsored by DraftKings. So, we want to take advantage of that sponsorship, and uh, we we always welcome to work with them. Absolutely, yes. Bet responsibly, as they say. Always, always. Yes. Uh, Bo, let's start with uh, San Francisco. We were just talking about with Steve Weiss that uh, momentum seems like it's headed towards Brandon Staley being the next DC for the Niners, and they kind of had this formula in place the last few years before Steve Wilkes of promoting from within. Uh, when it came to that defensive coordinator position from Sala to D'Amico Ryans, they go outside the organization with 
uh, Steve Wilkes, and obviously that didn't work out. Now you, you put to, now you're looking at going outside the organization again with Brandon Staley. Staley, one of the better defensive minds. I know it didn't end well with LA. Everybody thinks about them giving up 60 points to the Raiders, but I personally don't hate the idea of uh, of the Niners going with a Staley. What do you think about the possibility of them making Staley their DC? Well, I think that my question for it, I don't think it's a bad idea. I think my question is, is he going to come in with his system? Is he going to be running what the 49ers have been running? He's going to come in and teach their system that's there. Okay, so that that I have a problem with. And and, and the reason being is that he's already going to have experience in something he's already comfortable with. How is that hire any different than what they just did this past year with Steve Wilkes? Yeah. Especially when they've had what I refer to as a brain drain the last couple of years with um, D'Amico Ryan's leaving, Robert Sala the year before. They've lost these DCs um, each year, and then it's like, okay, well, what do you, what's next? You know, you, you almost if you're going to keep the same system, you got to keep people who are in that system. I was, I'm surprised they're not just um, taking someone in that system, especially after the year with Wilkes. And just promoting someone from within. I, I I guess I understand if you're Staley, you know, it gives him a chance to stay in the NFL. Um, but I I that's something that I find slightly curious with the whole situation. Yeah, you know, and and I look at Brendan Staley, Bo. Um, people might not agree with this, but I I think there there was uh there was some good moments with the Chargers and he, he, the, the job was too big for him at that age. I feel like you get him to be a good D coordinator again, prove himself, learn from a guy like Shanahan potentially, who, who's who's been a good coach in this league. I, I, I think we're going to see Brandon Staley be a head coach again sooner than later. I, I don't think he's going to be a coordinator again very long. See, I kind of disagree. I think that um, – I think the issue right, that Brandon Staley is going to have – pardon me, is going to be for a while that he um, he was so out of the box thinking, you know, he was someone that liked to go for extra, more, more going for more fourth downs, going for two-point conversions, we didn't need to, stuff like that. Uh, a lot of things that were both feel and the, uh, the numbers. Um, and I think that what we're going to see is you need to be one or the other. You either need to be the guy that believes in the numbers, the analytics, or the guy who says, I'm on field. You know, uh, Andy Reid, the, the, the Super Bowl is a lot of that. Andy Reid is very much a field guy, as opposed to Mike Shanahan, or Kyle Shanahan, I was Mike, uh, Kyle Shanahan, who's very much an analytics guy. And so it's like, okay, there's, you would think there's some kind of a balance of the two, but I think in Brandon Staley's case, he was a little too much of a wild gunslinger and it's going to take a while for him to shed that label for a while. Uh, I do think it's going to take a while for him to be able to shed that and move into something else. I I think this is a great opportunity for him. Probably the best opportunity he's going to get. I don't, but I don't think he's a head coach for a while. I could yeah. be wrong, but I, I, I tend to disagree because I think there's going to be some uh, there's going to be some stink on him for a while. Yeah, there could be. There could be. I think um, the biggest thing was I think his team did not want to play for him at the end. Yeah, and that was evident with his last game. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the thing that I think the GMs and owners are going to remember. 
Yeah, that's a fair point. Uh, Justin Fields, uh, trade rumors certainly heating up about his future. Uh, you know, it wasn't too long ago. The question was him or Caleb Williams. And it seems like that's been decided that he is going to be the odd man out. But where does he find a good home? I know there's a lot of teams that need a quarterback, but there's obviously some other circumstances involved here. Like how much are you willing to give up? Are you yeah. willing to pay Justin Fields? And then, you know, is he put into a position to succeed? All those factors as well. What do you see being a, a good potential fit for Justin Fields? Um, Atlanta is the first place that jumps off the page at me. Lots of different weapons. They're going to, you bring in a Justin Fields, they've already got a little bit of a run game with B. John Robinson. Uh, you got a couple other pieces in the offense that are going to be high powered. Uh, the fact that Justin Fields can play both on uh, with his feet and with his arm. Um, it's going to take somewhere, anywhere he can go where the offense is willing to be creative and to have some weapons. I think it's positive. The first place that jumps off the page at me is Atlanta because I think Atlanta is the place that if they get a good quarterback, they could make a quantum leap really quickly. Yeah. Um, well, then with, with Justin Fields, too, like I'm of the belief, Bo, I think he was just in a terrible situation there in Chicago that he's a good quarterback but had a bad O-line, didn't have much talent around him, bad coaching. I, I, I think and we've seen these quarterbacks – get out of bad situations as of late and turn things around like Matt Stafford, uh, for example, going to LA, Geno Smith going to Seattle here. Are, yeah. are, are you buying into Justin Fields? Is he, is he needing a fresh start or or is he is what he is? I, I like Justin Fields. And I think because of his athleticism as well. And I think that we saw things with him when he was at Ohio state and we've seen glimpses with Chicago. We've seen a few games here and there before this season. This season, I thought he played fairly well most of the season. I don't think he was surrounded by a good situation. I don't think the Bears have been a good situation for quite some time. Um, but I do think that now he's not a guy who can just overcome a bad situation. You know, he is not a, a Patrick Mahomes. He is not a, a Josh Allen, um, a Lamar Jackson, who's just going to go in there and all of a sudden he's the reason you're good. But he is athletic as hell. He's a smart quarterback. You look at the mistakes he makes, or he has made at the NFL level, they've really been in situations where he's trying to do too much because of what's around him. I think a fresh start for Justin Fields is a really good idea for Justin Fields. And I think the right situation, you're looking at a at least a top half quarterback like, you know, we've always had the rule, you know, you got to be this guy or better. In the right situation, Justin Fields is that guy. He is the guy. It's, he's in the top half and could successfully steer a good team into the, into the postseason. Call it a hot take, Bo, but I think if you put him in Philly, you want to get much of a different result from, from him and J Jalen Hurts. I think Jalen's fantastic, don't get me wrong, but I, I, I don't see any reason why Justin can't be that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think there's some things that Justin Fields does better than Jalen Hurts. Um, but I think that there's things Justin that Hurts is better at. I think that it comes down to who who's calling plays, who what's the offense, the structure of it, who are the players around you. 
like I said, the place I'd like to see, and I don't want to see it. Let me, let me rephrase this as a fan. I don't want to see it because I hate the Atlanta Falcons. But for Justin Fields, if he ends up in Atlanta, that is a great spot. And it's a spot where you'll see him get extremely – there'll be a – he will get good quick. Um, I like with you know, Raheem Morris is there as the head coach. He gives him a good influence. There's stuff around him. I just I like that situation. There's a couple other places he could go as well that I think would be great. Um, but I think that the right situation, he's a he's I don't want to say a great player, because I don't know that he can be a great player, but he can be a very, very good NFL quarterback in the right situation. Going back to Atlanta too, he's from that area. It'd be a hero's welcome as well. Yeah, I think that's a, I think that's the best fit. I I do think that's where he's going to end up as well. And, and the, it comes down to with Atlanta, they're going thinking about what's the cost of getting Justin Fields, or can we have a less of a cost to trade up to get Jalen Daniels? They want one of those two. One of those two is their next starting quarterback. As a fan, someone who's from Louisiana, who's a a new a lifetime New Orleans Saints guy, an LSU guy. I don't want Jaden Daniels in Atlanta because I don't want to be a Falcons fan. But I think it's a really good opportunity for either of those two guys. And I think that for Justin Fields, it's a great opportunity. The man he's replacing Caleb Williams. Um, Bo, I don't like the situation for Caleb Williams that's already starting to unfold. Um, you bring back, uh, you know, that – that Bears team, you know, from from a year ago that was so up and down, right? And Eberflus is back as their head coach and defensive-minded head coach, who I don't even think is a very good head coach to begin with. You hire Shane Waldron as your OC from Seattle. Shane Waldron, I don't think is that great of an OC to, to begin with either. The O-line sucked. Um, the skill position players are iffy. And then there's just not a winning culture in Chicago either. Um what do you think about the situation Kale Williams is walking into there in Chicago? Can can he turn that thing around, or, or is he well, going to be like Fields and set up to fail here? Well, I don't think he's going to be like Fields and set up to fail. I, I'll say this. First off, you know, the the Bears won four of the last six games. A lot of that was just the Fields played a lot better in those six games. I mean, those, they really played well. Um, and those were, most of those were division games. They're in a division that's going to be tough. Uh, so that always hurts because you've got the Lions there who are real, who we see who are really good. We get the Packers who we know are, are well coached and they've got a quarter, they got a franchise quarterback. Um, and you got the Vikings who I think Kirk Cousins returns to and they're going to be competitive. So that's going to be a tough division. But what I do think the difference with Caleb Williams is compared to Justin Fields is that with Caleb Williams, you are getting a player that could walk in and you know your team is your your offense is going to be better. He is that dude. He is a guy you could compare to a Josh Allen, a, 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 a Mahomes. Those he is in that category in talent. I don't think there's any question about that at this point. Um, you know, but like anyone else, he's gonna have to have help. There's a couple of good pieces, but if you make this Justin Fields trade, you know, you're going to get a first-round pick, you know, unless you totally mess this up. Uh, you're going to get a couple of picks in this deal. Get Grab athletes, 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 and just keep getting athletes for that offense, and you can figure out defense as you go. 
I don't like the coaching staff. I agree with you on that 100%. I, I think Matty Refluce is – that job is bigger than him, is my argument with him. Um, but I I mean, the difference is, is that Caleb Williams is the guy. This would be like drafting, you know, Andrew Luck a few years ago. Um, like they drafted Burrow a couple a few years ago. It's like drafting Peyton Manning. It's you're drafting him first overall, you know what you're getting. This is a franchise changing player. Well, and, and we mentioned not liking the coaching staff. Bo, I, I would put it this way. They got one shot basically to get this right. If if they don't look the part, if if Caleb Williams isn't headed the right direction, that coaching staff is gone and they yeah. say we, we got to build around our guy. Like the, the, the leash is short on Eberflus and company to get this right. Yeah, they've got a – I'm not saying they have to make the playoffs because, again, they're in a tough division. But they're going to have to win seven, eight games. They won seven this past year. With Justin Fields. Um, but they're gonna have to win seven or eight. They're gonna have to look competitive in every game. You know, just about every game, and everybody has a, a game where you don't look look as competitive. They're gonna have to look competitive in games, and they're going to have to improve in a drastic way on the field. The product's gonna have to be better. And if it's not, there is no chance you keep that staff. And the reason being is you can't waste prime years or really the rookie contract. Of a of a Caleb Williams with a staff that you're not 100 percent sold on. That's why I wouldn't have brought Eberflus back in the first place. Yeah, I'm 100 percent there with you. Let's uh let's talk about some of the other quarterbacks in this year's class. Uh, I know you love Jaden Daniels, obviously an LSU guy. Um, for the first few years, from Arizona State to when he arrived at LSU, great athlete, but wasn't a great passer. Then this year really just kicked it in gear and looked fantastic. Won the Heisman Trophy and everything. But what what clicked for Jaden Daniels? How did he evolve this season to become the player he was compared to what he was? I think it started in 2023, to be honest. I think the second half of 2023, he played incredible. I think outside of the Alabama game in 2023, he played fantastic. Um. One big thing is he took it seriously in the off season of this path, 2023 going into 2024, or 2022 going into 2023, I'm sorry. Um, and I mean 2022, I think he was starting to improve. Sorry, New Year's. Um, but anyway, um, I think the big thing he took seriously was that the knock on Jaden Daniels is that he's thin, and that he's small. And then I think that there was a lot of talk of, well, he's a taller little bit taller, more athletic uh, Bryce Young. And I think what we saw with Bryce Young this past season where it's like, okay, he is small. Jaden Daniels is thin. I mean, he's really thin. I think in the offseason last season, he was like, okay, I got to get in here and put on some weight. I think he put on like 15 or 20 pounds. I mean, he, he got bigger. He's a smaller framed man. Um, and he's still young. He'll still put on a little more weight, but he's athletic as hell. And the weight he gained, it helped him with arm strength. It helped him with uh, – it maybe made him faster. I mean, it wasn't like he was carrying – he's carrying more weight, but he actually was more athletic, more built. I still have that concern with him. The one concern I do have with Jaden Daniels is 
he didn't get hit a lot this past year. And when he did, he got back up. I mean, he got, took some hits in some, certain games, but I mean, he just ran away from people. Uh, a lot like Lamar Jackson, but he's a little thinner than Lamar Jackson. I think the comp on him is Lamar Jackson. I'm not saying he's going to have Lamar Jackson success. That We only going to know that by what's, where he goes and what, he, what work he puts in there. But physically, he's a little bit taller than Lamar. He's got a little better arm as far as deep throws. I think Lamar's more accurate in the shorter and middle kind of throws. And they have similar athleticism. Jaden Daniels is a little bit smaller as far as build. Um, so that's my one concern on Jaden Daniels. And I think he's got to go to the right situation. I'd like to see what's going to happen there. I, someone that could put him in an offense where you can use his legs effectively will make his life and career a lot better. Um, the teams there in that position that pot- potentially could pick him, yeah. Washington at two, New England at three, Arizona at four, uh, assuming Caleb Williams is off the board, Chicago at one. Which one of those teams do you do you like as, as a fit for Daniels? I, I think it's New England. I think because we'll see with Gerard Mayo is a tough-mindedness. I think Gerard Mayo kind of is a – he's going to bring a toughness to that team, and I think that that will help. I think also he'll understand I got a young quarterback who can run. He won't be afraid to let that happen and get him an offensive line that can protect him. Uh, the issue with them, the Patriots, is they don't have any offensive weapons. Like they just don't have – I mean, honestly – Okay, um, uh, Jaden Daniels may have the same issue his first year in the NFL that Joe Burrow did, where he had more weapons in college. I mean, oh. Joe Burrow had that problem his first year before he got Jamar Chase. It was like, wait a minute, I had better receivers. I mean, Burrow had Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase in college. Right. He gets Jamar Chase's second year, but then – you look at what Jaden Daniels has. He has Malik Neighbors and uh, Thomas. Yeah, Brian Thomas. Are, yeah. Yeah, Brian, yeah, Brian, who are, you know, top 20 guys in this draft, maybe even higher. So you're going to go from having two of the most effective guys at the ends, you know, on each side, to not having that because, well, everyone's pretty good in, in, in the NFL, but the Patriots don't have anyone like that. Nobody dynamic. And so that's going to be a little bit of an issue with Jaden Daniels as well. He needs to go somewhere where they've got a couple people, a couple things in mind. Um, the teams that I would like for him, if Atlanta doesn't go with um, Justin Fields, they're going to move up and take it. If that means move to two, they'll do it. Um, it depends. A lot of it's dependent on what Washington does at two. Do they go with Jaden Daniels or Drake May? Um, the team I'd like to see. I'd like to see the Giants move up. Or if he can drop the six somehow, the Giants could be a better fit for Jaden, especially if you could sit him behind Daniel Jones for one more season so he don't hurt your cap too bad in that way. Yeah. Might be a good idea. That gives him a chance to get used to the speed and to get a couple pieces in there for him. Um, Drake May, I know you're not as high on as others. He's okay. drawn a lot of comparisons to Justin Herbert. Uh I know that you don't see it. What, what do you not like about Drake May? I know he's been talked about for a long time. He was a five yes. quarterback coming out and everything, and 
He went to North Carolina, not because he had to, but because he had family ties there. Yeah. Um, what, what is it you don't see in, in Drake May that everybody else does? Okay. I don't see the arm talent for the, the, the for the people who are comparing to Herbert. I'm not saying it's a bad arm. I'm just saying he doesn't have Justin Herbert. I mean, that's Justin Herbert's got a incredible arm. I mean, he's every bit Josh Allen is in an arm. Justin Herbert is. Uh, but I, what I don't see in the limited amount of stuff I've seen, I will admit this. I've only watched a few of his games in pieces. I haven't seen in the 2023 season. I did not see a guy who was the dude who could take over a game at quarterback. Now, my understanding and some of the things I saw from 2022, he looked better in 2022. Oh, I agree. Is this a Jake Locker situation? You know, Jake Locker was a guy seven or eight years ago. We thought he'd be the number one pick in the draft. And then he has a bad senior year, and you're like, no one's taking this guy. Right now, we're not seeing that about Drake May, and I think he's getting a little bit of a um, a pass for some poor play, but it's not. And it's not that it was poor play; it's just that he he never took over in a lot of those games. Where I thought in watching him, my expectation was, okay, when you're if you're that great a quarterback, you're going to take over. The example I would give, and I think that Drake May is better than this player, but Bo Nix is someone that. I don't see as an NFL prospect as much as everybody else seems to, but he was a guy that was the guy and took over games, whether it was last year at Auburn or this year at Oregon. And it's like, okay, wait a minute. There I see something. Now, I don't see the physical talents there at all. Uh, Drake May, I see some of the physical talents. He's a bigger guy too. But I don't see the comparisons to Herbert. Um, I did see where a couple of guys that they like – Drake May better than Caleb Williams. And I I just don't see that. I don't see that at all. Now, I, I'm trying to be open-minded. You and I fought a lot about Drake May over the season to the point where I just call him just another white boy. Uh, it's like the great white hope kind of thing. I as Some of the stuff I've gone back and watched, I've seen him make good decisions. I have never seen him make a bad decision. I'll say that. That is a tally I would definitely put in his column. But I just don't see that takeover thing. I think at some points, if you're going to be the guy, you got to be able to do that. Maybe that develops in the NFL. Maybe it helps when he has better pieces around him. You know, I, I don't know. He but did have I, a horrible defense there at North Carolina that lost him. Did, and I don't, and I don't think very highly of Mac Brown. Uh, I've made that very clear. I think that Mac Brown should cut about thirty percent of his checks off to to uh, Vince Young every time he gets a paycheck. And, but I think that if you, I just haven't seen that dude. Yeah. And I've seen it from other players that are in this draft. I don't think he's the second best quarterback. I think Daniels is. Um, he may be the third. He might be the fourth. Um, I kind of have him in Penix as three and four for me right now. And I don't think either of them are necessarily like they can be franchise quarterbacks but they're not the dude on day one. Right. I think that Caleb Williams is the dude on day one. And I think in the right situation, Jaden Daniels is the dude in week one or week one. Um, Of the next tier quarterbacks, you talked about some of them. Bo, I see major red flags with all three with, uh, with JJ McCarthy. Yes. He won a national championship, but we talked about being the dude. 
He was never asked to carry that team. Oh. Now, granted, he didn't have to. They had a great running game, but he never did. That's a red flag for me. I'm not going to die, though. He is an accurate quarterback and a hell of an athlete. Um, with Bo Nix, what Bo Nix am I getting? Am I getting, Bo, am I getting Auburn Bo Nix or am I getting yeah. Oregon Bo Nix? And not to mention he's 26 years old. Yeah. And Michael Penix, I loved what I saw from Michael Penix at Washington. But he's already torn two ACLs. He's 26 years old, and he's lost his mobility. He, he can't move around like he did in Indiana a couple of years ago. Both, like all three of these guys, I think in the right circumstance, like there's potential there, but but there's big question marks too with all three. Yeah, so I, I've heard comparisons on all of them. So uh, I keep hearing, I can't believe I'm hearing this one. I'm hearing J.J. McCarthy as Drew Brees. And I just haven't seen him throw enough. You know, they were in an offense where they ran the ball like hell. I mean, they had a game where they ran the ball 23 straight times. It was, you know, it was Coach Bo's favorite type of offense. With Yeah, but at the same time, if, well, let's say if I had a quarterback that was really, really good, I'd let him throw the football. Um, and, and playing for a guy who was an NFL quarterback, you would think if Jim Harbaugh thought he was that an NFL guy, you'd think you'd let him throw the ball more. Um, especially that good offensive line they had. It's not like you couldn't keep him up. But again, I, I kind of get what they were doing with the run game. Um I don't see some of that. And again, I just haven't seen enough with Michael Penix. The reason he looks weird to most of us is because he's left-handed. Right. That is something that, like, even I look at it and go, it looks weird. The throwing motion's fine. If you could reverse it, it looks perfect. Um, What I noticed is he's got happy feet and he runs around too much. Now, what I see with Michael Penix now, I see he runs around too much. He runs around in the pocket too much. He runs around in the back in the offensive backfield too much. He's not because of his injuries, I think. He's never been a guy to take, he's not a guy to take off. He's not a threat with his legs. That's okay. Michael Penix to me is like a Geno Smith, who is a really good NFL quarterback. I think Michael Penix could be that guy too. I think but I want to see what J.J. McCarthy can be. I'm not sold on that yet. Um, we'll see on that one. And then who was the one you brought up? You said? Uh, Bo Nix. Bo Nix. Okay, so you know I'm not a Bo Nix guy at all. Uh, my knock on Bo Nix is that he's a system guy at Oregon. You know, they they a lot of this decided at the line of scrimmage, who you're throwing to. It's very much a get them out wide, space it all out, and then – you know, the OC on the sidelines will tell you who to throw the football to. That does not work in the NFL. You have to be able to make decisions and make them quickly and do them on the field. And I just don't think Bo Nix can do that. I also don't think he's that athletic. I just don't. Of those three, the guy that I wouldn't draft is Bo Nix. I would take a, a, the problem with the, the Penix and McCarthy situations is that because of the value of quarterbacks, they're going to go way too high. They're both going to be first-round guys. They're probably going to be in the middle to late first round. And we might say, I saw McCarthy on a couple of things, one of his highest 15. And I just don't think you can miss. I think if you're taking that guy, you cannot afford to miss. Problem is, the teams at the back of the draft, teams from 25 to 32, are good football teams. They already got a quarterback. So it takes a bad team to come back into the second round or try to trade up 
into the first round to go pick them, and you have to play them because you're a bad team. So where is that going to be a good fit for McCarthy? That's what I wonder. Where is that a good fit for Penix? I don't know either. Um, I think if it slips down far enough, it's a local kid too. I think Penix to Seattle makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm looking at the first round here as well. I've heard J.J. McCarthy going to New Orleans. I don't know if I like that as a Saints fan, but we'll see. But once you get past really New Orleans at 14, the only team in the first round after that that needs a quarterback is the Steelers at 20, and I think they're going to do something free agency or in a trade. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to go to the well of drafting again. Right. So I, we're going to see somebody. We're going to see those two, a couple of those guys get overdrafted or a bad. And it's like, what what team goes and gets them? Does the Raiders take one at thirteen? Um, are the Raiders a team that might try to trade a second round and maybe a package of one next year trade into the first round? You know, late on 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 trade on uh, on draft night. You know, that's something I could see. I don't know. There's a couple teams like that. It's like, okay, but you're going to get that guy. He has to be the guy. Right. It's going to take someone falling in love with him. And someone falls in love with the quarterback every year, they should fall in love with him. Let's, uh, let's shift gears now, talk college football. Uh, the college football playoff format finalized 5-7. Uh, as we expected, the five highest-ranked conference champions and seven at-large bids for the 12-team playoff the top four conference champions will host uh, or will uh, will get first round buys. And then the other remaining will be uh, in the first round and uh, home sites for the uh, first round as well. Uh, Bo, this uh, format we mentioned, we expected this after the Pac-12 collapse. Uh, what do you make a decision to, to go forward with this 5-7 idea? This is about what we thought it was going to be. I mean, it was – we thought the we thought we'd see the we we thought it was gonna be the five conference champions, but now we've only got what four conferences to worry about. So, you know, it'll be the those conference champions in a wild card, and then we'll see what happens from there. But um, yeah, I mean, it's this is about what we thought it was gonna be. I think the bigger news now is we know the structure, and now it's gonna be well, how are they gonna play? Where, when, and how are they gonna play the games? You know, I've seen a little bit about you know maybe the same weekend and try to stretch them out over where no, there's not. They, they've games. already announced the schedule. Okay. I, I haven't seen it yet. Have you seen that? Or where? where yeah. Have I seen so, it's, so it's, it's going to be a, 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 uh, basically the first weekend is like a Friday, one game, Saturday, three games. And then the next weekend, I think is over the new year's holidays huh. and then the semifinals is like a Thursday and Friday. And then the national championship, like a, a week or so later on a Monday night. Okay. Yeah. I figured that the national championship will be that same standalone Monday night thing. Yeah. You know, going up against going sliding into week 18 of the NFL schedule. Well, it'd be, it'll be playoffs now. It's like January 20th. So that's going to be like divisional round weekend. Or something. Divisional round, yeah. So, okay. But it'll be a standalone. I mean, they're not going to let them stand to get the NFL is not going to do that to them. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean that's the thing is that you want to have as many all those games as standalone games, so that you can get as high a rating as many eyes to that as possible. Don't split them up into two games. Don't let it get regionalized at all. So that was to me the biggest thing is to see how they were going to schedule that. Um, 
A lot of tension on Notre Dame uh, about this format. We already knew this was going to be the case. Uh, people that are paying attention aren't surprised, but the way the format works with Notre Dame as an independent, they can never be a top four seed and get a first round bye that even if they were the number one team in the country with an undefeated record, at best, in this format, they would be a five seed every given year. Now, Bo, there's two ways of looking at this. You could say, you know, that's in Notre Dame's case, like they just made it harder on themselves. Their own AD was involved in creating the format of this. They made it harder on themselves uh, by guaranteeing the path to playoff being harder and having to be a five seed. You know, there'll be a five seed or worse every time. But I could argue on the flip side of things too, Bo, that Notre Dame could say to themselves here, hey, we get to create the schedule we want and we don't have to play a conference championship. You could argue if you're Notre Dame, I'd rather be the five seed and play a team like Liberty, for example, the group of five champion yeah. as the 12 seed rather than play a conference championship game. I, I, you, you might want to take that trade off potentially. Yeah, I think that when you look at it, it's like, okay, well, you know, what is that trade-off? I look at it and say, I would rather, I mean, if I'm Notre Dame, I want to be as high a seed as possible just for the sake of being the highest seed. You're going to get the lower seed in the, in the tournament. But I have zero sympathy or and zero empathy for, for Notre Dame because go join a conference. Look, right. everyone else is in a conference. Why should we do anything special for you? Zero. No, we're not doing it. You can't be the Big Ten champion. You can't be the SEC champion. You can't be the the Pac, uh, uh, the Big Twelve, or the ACC champion. You don't get one of those four spots. Tough shit. You don't like it. Any of those four conferences would love to have you. Go ahead yeah. and join. You can't have it both ways, Notre Dame. But I, I mean, they're the ones that help come up with the format, so they've obviously accepted this. Yeah. Um, but if you're a Notre Dame fan, Bo, would would you want them? in a conference or would you want to preserve your independence and accept no. your fate in this? No, Notre Dame people are just ignorant people anyway. Uh, when it comes to football, they 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 think they're above it all. I know that because I have a couple of good friends who are Notre Dame people, but they just think they're above it all. So they don't want to be in a conference. They think that they're Notre Dame football and holier than thou and everything else. I say tough shit. You're going to need to join a conference or be, or be nothing. Well, that, that, that's not what I'm asking. I'm asking, what would you want if you were? What I want, I want to join a conference. I wouldn't want Notre Dame to join the Big Ten if I was if I was a Notre Dame fan. That's me, Coach yeah. Bo. Yeah, yeah. If now, the, now Notre Dame fans, they want to be independent and they want the extra. You know, oh, we, we if we're good enough, then we should be. No, right. you should. Um. So no, I I think that most of their fans would tell you that they want to stay independent. I, if I were their fan, would say, let's get into the Big Ten. Yeah. Um, now, also on that front, it came out today that they're already talking about expanding to 14. Bo, I, I do like the more proactive approach we saw for years. This yeah. was all rollout, how long it took to get rid of the BCS, how long it took to get to a 14 playoff, and now to 12. I do like it being proactive, but part of me, too, is sitting here like, I just want to see what 12 looks like first. Yeah, I see that. I mean, but look, it's going to, we all know what this comes down to. This comes down to one thing and one thing only more games and more money. And if you can get to more money by having more teams in, even if it's just one or two more games, 
do it. I mean, that's what they're going to do. It's a, it's a money play. Um, there was also talk uh, about multiple automatic bids for the SEC and the Big Ten, but ultimately that, that didn't go down this time around. Um, yeah. Isn't the end result here eventually at some point, Bo, like whether it's the SEC and Big Ten separating doing their own playoff or a Super League of some sorts, like we're, we're, we're building towards that. That's that's the eventual end of all this, right? I think so. I mean, I think that I, I look, I think they did the right thing and I'm an SEC guy, but I think that they did the right thing and not giving automatic bids except to the champion or is it to the champion or the highest rated team? The five highest ranked conference champions. Okay. So those are your automatic bids. If you're good enough, if you're in the A, if you're in the SEC or the Big Ten and you're the second or third place team, you're getting it. I mean, look, if this year, if you were the third place team in the SEC, you were getting in. Hell, the fourth place team might have got in this year. Um, it was gonna come down to the, the, the Two teams there, one from the Big 12, one from the SEC for the 12th team. Um, you know, it was the same thing in the Big 10. If you're a division winner and maybe you lost that championship game, look, you're going to get in unless you've got four losses and you backdoored your way into that championship game. Go beat the teams on your schedule and you're going to get in. That's all you got to do. Is everybody going to lose a game? Yeah, most people are going to lose a game. You know, but if you lose three or four, I don't have much empathy for you. It just it is what it is. I'm look, I'm an LSU guy. If it, if it had been a playoff this year, 12 and 13 would have been Oklahoma and LSU. And there would have been an argument about which one you take. Actually, they both would have been left out because of the group of five champ. Liberty would have gotten including the, the top five champ. I included that. Yeah. I it was those were the those were the two, the 12, 13 line was Oklahoma and LSU. Because the 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 power, the non-power five I counted in already. Because it was um, who won the American Conference? Well, no, no, Liberty got in. Remember, not not SMU. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so who, yeah. So yeah, you, you had. I'm I'm pulling this up right now. Um, pull the poll. Yeah. The final uh, playoff poll. This is great podcasting right here, folks. Uh, yeah. The final playoff poll this past year, Ole Miss was 11. So Ole Miss yeah. would have been the last team in. Yeah. And Liberty would have been the 12 seed. Liberty would have jumped ahead. Okay, yeah. So Oklahoma and LSU would have been the first teams out. Yeah, it would have been the first two teams out. And, again, there would have been arguments about that because Oklahoma only had two losses. And then the LSU thing of their three losses were to Alabama, um, Ole Miss, both top 10, both playoff teams. And the third one was the Florida State top five team. So it's like, okay, you got, you lose to four, five, and 11. And the combined number was not a big number. Plus, they had the Heisman Trophy win. Right. So it would have been really hard to have kept them out. I could see our Oklahoma's argument too, saying, hey, we only lost two games. Right. You know, that would have been a valid argument for me as well. So, I do understand trying to put the highest of the non-power five in. You know, it'd be non-power four coming up now because we're going to have only four conferences left. Right. So, um, but yeah, I mean, that's what we're going to have. I mean, what it's going to do is it might overweight 
a conference like the American Conference or the Mountain West, if they have a team that can go, you know, 12 and one and win their, you know, like Tulane was two years ago or um, uh, SMU this year was 11 and two and a really good team. They're probably going to get overseeded into the deal. But I mean, that's, that's one spot in 12. Again, I don't have a lot of empathy on, okay, you had three losses. Right. You know, in those games, I get it. And again, it's my team. It's my team. And we can argue. Hey, our three losses were three pretty goddamn good losses. I think with the way we've seen the sport go, and now the post Nick Saban era, and since he stepped away, Bo, that yeah. there is more parity, and especially the NIL and the portal and everything. Like you are going to see, you know, if we would have done a, a 12 team playoff. Five years ago, it still would have been the same two, three, four teams every year winning it. Now you go to this 12-team format, like, I'm intrigued what Ole Miss can do. I'm intrigued what Oklahoma or some of these teams, Utah, whatever, like, you can make some noise and potentially make a title run and not be one of the top four seeds, I think, going forward with the way college football's changed. Yeah, I think if you're like the, the second seed coming out of the Big 12 or you're the third team from the SEC... So there's going to be like the getting SEC, high at the right time. Yeah. The SEC West is not going to be as hard now. Alabama yeah. is not the big dog anymore. You, I mean, they're still going to be very good, but right. there's three other murderers in that conference, in that division still. Right. I mean, you know, you bring in Texas and Oklahoma and LSU is still there. You know, um, you know, Ole Miss is still Ole Miss is, is a really good team right now. You, but that those five teams, you include Alabama back in that, that's better than any other conference. And so it's like, okay, you know, then in the East, you got Georgia just dominating everybody. So you figure they're going to be in. But those, you got to be, if you're in the West, you got to really play well in conference. You got to, you got to be the team that wins those games. You got to be able to team that if you're Ole Miss and you got to go to Oklahoma, you better win that game. If you're Oklahoma and you got to go to LSU, you better win one of those. It's going to be more important now than ever before. And I think that the argument that I heard of, well, it's going to make the regular season less important. I call bullshit on that because there's too many competitive teams for those three or four spots. The conference is going to get more than three, maybe four. And in a good conference, the Big Ten's the same way. You got Ohio State, Michigan in the same the same division. You know? And so you know that other division is going to have someone come out of it where that's there's no Iowa. more divisions now in, in any of these Yeah, But I mean, you know what I mean? But that same thing. You got the you got this idea of these these teams are going to come out of this. And there's teams are going to have weaker schedules compared to others in yeah. these in these conferences, and they're going to score going to score higher. Sort of like what Iowa was this past year. Okay, well. You know, Iowa was the 17th team. They're 10 and three. There were people talking about them getting in the playoff at one point. Say, hey, if they could win this last game, right. they'd be deserving. And it's like, well, they're not that good. They got good defense. But, you know, it, it's, I think that the idea that it's going to hurt regular season is kind of bullshit. Yeah. For that reason, it's going to be super competitive. You're going to have to do well in your conference. The Big 12 adding these big names, same thing. Last question, we'll end on this. Um, Matt Rule, Nebraska head coach this week, uh, was talking about his future scheduling and said that he does not want Nebraska to schedule Power Four conference teams in the non-con anymore going forward in their future dates. 
He said that they now, with the way the Big Ten's expanded, they play a tough enough schedule where they don't have anything to prove in the non-conference anymore, that their conference record is going to speak for itself. And, and we saw in Michigan this year, Bo, they played a cupcake non-conference schedule, went undefeated and won the national championship, still got the number one seed and everything. It worked out pretty well for them. Do you see schools following what Nebraska and Michigan and these others are looking at in this day and age of super conferences of, yeah. of playing cupcake non-conference schedules here? Is that going to be the trend? It is. And then you'll see the conference committee hit them with something. What will eventually happen is these four conferences, and it may happen after something would happen to the ACC and you're down to three. You may see it where it says you can't schedule more than one or two games outside of this division. It creates its own division in a way of, you know, right now power four conferences, the four power conferences left and say, hey, look, you can't schedule this. There's going to be a rule change because of this at some point. Yeah, I can see what Nebraska's saying. And he's not wrong. You know, I mean, yeah, you want to go play three divisional schools, go ahead and do it. But you better be perfect in conference. You know, what sunk LSU this year was losing to Florida State week one. And so... You know, what almost sunk Alabama was losing to Texas. Right. So it's, you know, that, yeah, it's going to be harder to get those games. Sometimes some some schools are going to go that route, and some schools are going to say, we're going to play. Let's see what happens. And I think eventually it's going to get, there'll be a rule. Eventually someone's, the, the playoff committee is going to come along and say, no, no, here's what we're going to do. And go from there. Maybe so. Well, we're out of time. Uh, where can people uh, find you and see uh, what, what, what's going on in your world with what, what the podcast and all that? What's going on this week? You can check us out uh, anywhere you get this podcast or anywhere else you get your podcast. You can look for the Coach Bono's uh, podcast. Um, the Coach Bono show comes out usually on Fridays, sometimes Saturday. Uh depends on when we get them done. Uh, but we, we're, we're going to be having some fun talking about the draft and a lot of the football stuff. But we talk a lot more about other sports as well. And then we get into a lot of the sports business stuff. Um, there's some fascinating stuff that we get into, kind of deep dive sometimes into one topic. Uh, and you'll see that when you download our show. You'll see this episode's a, a deep dive. Uh, we're doing a, a lot more of those in the football offseason. But we're going to have a lot of fun with it. Uh, Ellen Winter, who's an attorney in Denver, is, is my co-host, and she is wonderful. Um, not afraid to call me on my bullshit sometimes, too. So it's a good mix of we both have professions where we – we like the business stuff and we like the numbers stuff. And so it kind of gives us that stuff. And then she likes her basketball. I like my football. So we kind of go back and forth on that a little bit too. Awesome stuff. Ball, appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week. Thank you, Tyler. You have a great week. Final segment before we go. It's our Tom Fulry story of the week. Thomas Bridges standing by with something ridiculous happening in the world. Tom, where are we going to this time? Jones, well, you know, we haven't been to a candlelight vigil in a while. Um, and I, to be fair, I don't think we've been to West Virginia in a while. And so that's where we're going to go. And this comes from Outkick. And it reads, candlelight vigil planned for Hooters location scheduled for demolition. It's a sad time in the Charleston, West Virginia neighborhood. 
of Kanawha City. After the pandemic closed the doors of its beloved Hooters, that's been four years, never to reopen, it was announced the location would be demolished. With all hope lost, oh God, outkick, only out, only outkick. With all hope lost, the restaurant <laughs> would ever open its doors again. The only thing that can be done has been planned. You guessed it. Candlelight vigil has been organized ahead of the scheduled demolition. On Friday from 6.30 to 8 p.m., folks in the Charleston area will gather for what will be truly a somber event. They'll be saying goodbye to the Hooters location they hoped for for several years would return. Following the demo, which is scheduled for February 26th, the site will become home to the Sheets. Oh, Sheets. Isn't that the the offshoot of Come and Go? Um, no, that's Maverick. Hmm. Okay. So I know. Okay. Then I've never been to Sheets. I never have either. Yeah. Oh, like oh sheet. You know. Um. That's a kind of a big gas station. Like, do they got? You know, is that like a? Instead of a restaurant, is that a brass station? <laughs> like the event organizers want to let Hooters know how much the location will be missed. RIP to the Hooters in Kanawha City. It will be missed by many. They announced on Facebook it's finally official. We have all in one way, shape, or form been holding on to the pure hope that someone would purchase the closed building that was once Almighty Hooters and reopen it. That seems not to be the case. The building will be demoed on February 26th. With this being said, let's all gather in remembrance of the amazing power that was brought to us by the Hooters with a candlelight visual at Kanawha City location, the announcement said. Bring your candles and signs and let Hooters and the city know we will miss it tremendously. We'll have chicken wings with the traditional Hooters sauce on site and limited amount of the goat sandwich, the shrimp cheese. Please share and be there every hour is happy hour at Hooters. There won't be a dry. <laughs> this is funny. There won't be a dry on Friday night. That's for sure. Be <laughs> thankful that the Hooters location near you is operating, and get out and grab some wings this weekend. Not everybody is so lucky. Jones, <laughs> Charleston, West Virginia. Like uh, the chance that those girls also work at the local strip club. Like they're like. You're in, I don't even know where Charleston was. Like, there's some Charleston, South Carolina. Like, there's other Charlestons. If if your city name is not the biggest in the tri-state location and your restaurant there, your waitresses or waiters are probably doing drugs. I guarantee these, these waitresses were on the shit. Oh, my gosh. Um, this is a sad deal. I love Hooters. I haven't been to Hooters in a while. Uh, maybe I need to go pay my respects at, at a local Hooters. Uh, go do your candlelight vigil, walk in with a candle. Yeah. Uh, I'm a big fan. I've always liked Hooters. Food is solid. I think it's better than people give it credit for. The I think views. it's on I think it's on par with like B dubs. Yeah. The views are nice. The the waitresses are usually very friendly, like Hooters is a good spot. Like I, I think it gets a bad rap. Like, I think Tom, it's better than Twin Peaks. 
No, I think Twin Peaks better. I think Twin Peaks got better food. I will say though. Oh, do you? Yes, I do. See, I uh, think has better food. So th- this is where some people might call cap on this. I would go to Hooters, Tom, if if the women dressed in normal clothing. Like I, I, I think it's just fine. So you're telling me we got Modesty Jones in the house tonight? I would go to Hooters even if it was modest. I, I, you might say. Would you rather go to Hooters? Would you rather go to Hooters? Would you go to Hooters more if it was more modest? No, no, no. I, I, I go there more often because of what it is. But I would still go if it was modest. So you're saying the titties draw you in a little bit? They do. It doesn't hurt. It doesn't hurt. I'm not hating. I'm just asking. But. Uh, I would still go no matter what. Yes. I I think that a good dad takes his son to Hooters. I think I went. I think as a a young son, I think I went my first time to Hooters at – I think I was a, a patron of Hooters at about 12. See, now, my, my dad's a good dad, but – my my parents would not take me to Hooters. I had to go the very first time I had to go I got to go to Hooters. I was 18 years old covering a NASCAR race at Kansas City. Of course, I'm fucking course you had to. Oh yeah. And there was the Hooters right across the street from the racetrack and I was in in heaven. David Starr wasn't around then. Who was it? Um, David was racing, but I didn't know David at that point. Right, right. At that point, you weren't. Yeah, I was just covering the races at that point. Um, but who did you go with? I just went by myself because it was after a race, and uh, I don't think we've ever been to Hooters together. Unfortunately, we've been to we've been to Twin Peaks together, but we've never been to Hooters. Yeah, Tom, the the first time I went to Hooters, you're gonna laugh when I tell you this part. Um, I know, I know the Hooters you're talking about. Oh yeah, and that one's gone out of business too. We might do need to do a visual for that one too. Um, Damn the the Hooters I went to there in Kansas City the very first time. Um, I gave a the waitress my my business card and uh, told her she could uh, told her to call me. I, I'm still waiting on that phone call. You should have been an OnlyFans consultant. You would have had a call by now. I don't think OnlyFans existed then. Well, no, but if you would have been ahead of your time, then yeah, you might have, you might you might not even be having this podcast. We might we might be doing a uh, an OnlyFans podcast. I mean, now because I was eighteen, I don't think it's creepy. I, I think I was just you know, no, you're a young man. But like, you're I, still I learning about the world at that point, right? I think I even like followed that waitress. I think I found her on Instagram or something. Oh, okay. You started to say follow, and I was like, "You didn't stalk her, did you?" Oh God, no, 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 not not that, not quite, not quite. Well, she didn't work at All Stars. <laughs> <laughs> didn't see her there. Didn't see her there. Um, She's a Jayhawk I'm... through and through. She might not have went there, but she she could have rocked my chalk. Yeah. Oh, I would have, Tom. I would have boomered her sooner. Oh man, you would have. Yeah, you would have. 
She got my pistols firing. I'm trying to think. Of, yeah, you, she had me. She had me reconsidering polygamy. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't go to any BYU. Tom, uh, do, do you have any good memories at Hooters over the years? You know, probably not. I'll tell you. I'll tell you one funny thing. We're talking about places that that have women that. You know, I wouldn't even say Hooters like objectifies women or anything. Like, you know what you're getting into, right? Like, and I can't, I can't even hate the hustle. You know, if I could, you know, I'll, I'll be, I'll be straight up and honest with you here. Let's be honest. If I could sell my cock online for good money, I'd do it. Good I'll lord. Be I mean, I mean, that's kind of brutally honest, but like at the same time. Would you, would you not show the Jones? Would you not show what Jones is packing to the world? There, there, there is not a price I would give in for that. You're telling me, you're telling me if you could charge forty dollars a month to put maybe two, maybe let's call it five pictures a month, so sixty pictures a year, and you have a hundred subscribers at twenty dollars a month, you wouldn't do it. It would be hard to say yes. I would do it. I, I I know you would. That's that's the funny part. I mean, but listen, on this show, Jones, we can be. What do we always say? We can be. We bought. can be bought. We can be bought. I can. I'll tell you what. If I get twenty subscribers for, or if I get sixty subscribers for twenty dollars a month, I'll I'll show you this. I'll show you this fucking Johnson. Oh. I mean, you want to look at it? I'll let you. I'll let you know what it's about. I'll show you my rock jock Jayhawk. Oh yeah, I'll show you my pistol firing. There's the offer if anybody wants to take Tom up on that. Um, yeah, there you go. Yeah, you get yourself. There you go. You probably wouldn't want to, but if you, if you know, if you're into, you're so inclined. If you're into some, if you're into some weird shit, then holler at me at Thomas on Instagram. <laughs> Uh, that's that's a good way to end today's show. Um, <laughs> Tom, send him a DM if if you're into that. Um, at uh, I hope you're not. <laughs> unless you're hot, right? You know, yeah. No, not even that. I just I don't want to have to do it, but money's you know money talks. Yeah. So follow Tom. You can follow me at Tyler Jones Live Jones underscore Report as well. Um, also you can follow us on, uh, Facebook, facebook.com slash Tyler Jones live, facebook.com slash studio soapbox X at Tyler Jones live, Thomas underscore bridges and uh studio underscore soapbox. You can find us there. Subscribe to the show. New episodes out each and every week, Apple, Spotify, Google podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts and, uh, check us out there on all platforms. We certainly appreciate it. Big thanks to Steve Weiss for joining us. Coach Bo, you the listener as well. For Thomas Bridges, our entire crew of Tyler Jones, thanks so long. It's been another edition of Jones Sport. We'll see you next week.